available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. We are in the meat of the Pac-12 season, David. We got buys, we got horrible picks by me, slightly better picks by you. The way you said meat there sounded almost dirty. (laughs) <laughs> and I think maybe it's just because it's associated with the Pac-12. <laughs> but I loved it. Uh, yeah, you um, you had a week. I did. I was camping in Catalina. Didn't care. You had a lovely weekend, and that's the it most important awesome. thing. Uh, because if you had been paying any more attention to Pac-12 football, um, it wouldn't have been so lovely. It was... Uh, can you... I mean, make no sense of any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, How many games under 500 are you now? A whole bunch. A whole uh, bunch. The number is in double digits, correct? No, not double digits, but uh, ten ten games. I am. You have to go ten and zero to achieve five hundred. Oh, I'm ten games under five hundred. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You're nineteen and twenty nine. I just you're yeah. you're twenty two and twenty six. Yeah, yeah. That's four. Right. You're still ten, terrible. Ten. <laughs> you're still bad. I'm within shouting distance of okay. <laughs> I don't think so. We, it's both been bad. Uh, Dave went three and two in his picks. I went one and four. Because of a couple big leads that got blown in the teams that I picked. But, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, but we'll get into all that stuff a little bit later on. If you have any questions or comments for us, pack12podcast at gmail.com is the email address. You can call or text us at 424-532-0678. You can tweet us at pack12podcast. The website, pack12podcast.com. You can see all the picks, the horrible picks. Uh, and you go to the Reddit page, reddit.com slash r slash podcast of Champions, we're doing this a little early on a Tuesday morning, David. So I'm going. I'm going to uh, Chicago this weekend. And also, there was some important news yesterday that we felt we absolutely needed to talk about. Today. Is there news too? Okay, well, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I try not to pay attention to stuff. You tell me not to pay attention to this stuff. Wait till something weird happens. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. For I'm the just weird trying thing. to focus your attention in the right places. Not in April. Don't focus on anything in April, but once we uh, get into October, start focusing on I mean, stuff. I was focusing on this stuff for weeks, and you're like, eh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. But here we go. We'll talk about it. But you also, if you're on the Apple Podcasting app anywhere on your devices, please leave us a five-star rating and some sort of review. Trash us, whatever you want to do. Just the five stars. That's all that matters. And we're going to bribe you for doing so. We'll give you a $100 gift card to Jockey. And uh, we've been setting out to gift cards. I am. Every week. I, uh, we always do this. I am currently wearing jockey underwear and jockey shorts. I am. I brought a lot of jockey stuff to uh, Catalina to camp in. It's very comfy because you, you end up wearing the same clothes when you camp. It's really nice. Yeah, so you would have good, you know, good quality clothes with uh, you know, well sewn fibers or you know, whatever goes into clothes. Who knows? Fibers sound kind of dirty too. Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> Maybe we're just a little porny this morning. It's really early. I did my work. I'm sure you did your workout this morning. I oh yeah, my... yeah. As always, as always. <laughs> I'm like, why am I in a, on a bike? 
at <laughs> six in the morning. Like, oh, what what choices did I make in life? Why am I doing to bring this? me here? I do it every week. But anyway, okay. So, do we have any uh, new reviews that would oh, be? We've up? got we've got a few. We got a few. Okay. All right, you ready? This is from Todd from Orlando. Five stars. Thoughtful, charismatic, well researched, entertaining, and professional. These are the things that I think of when I read the five star reviews for the podcast <laughs> of champions. After the laughing for the first 10 to 12 minutes, we then get into the weeds. It's like I can smell the Sam's Choice American whiskey on David's breath and the Pappy Van Winkle on Ryan's, discussing topics like why is Herm Edwards still head coach and why Clay Helton is a suitable replacement for Mark Emmert since they're both equally effective at their jobs. They're both seasoned athletes as Ryan has done CrossFit a few times and David runs away from discussions on how the 2020 football season won't happen and any point in discussing is time wasted. As far as the quality of the podcast, I commute about three hours each day so I can make the time to listen to them or call in voicemails one to two times a year, uh, one, to, one to two times a year to irritate or entertain them. Keep up the work. Otherwise, you guys might get bumped to me having my phone read me the threads from the Peristyle about how James Franklin can't be the next USC coach because he lost to Helton. But Chris Peterson can somehow by their logic, even though Peterson lost to both. Wow, strong like one. That. That's that was, a very strong one out of the gate. Yeah, strong one out of the gate. All right, this is from Prodigal Ute in Vegas. Five stars. Uh, it's been about 100 years since I've reviewed a podcast, but as a Utah fan, it seemed like an appropriate week to break century streaks. My introduction to the podcast of Champions may or may not have been one of those serendipitous accidents of being from Utah and being told I needed more POC in my life. <laughs> uh, this is a show that doesn't try very hard, covering a conference that doesn't try very hard. An effort so low that even Postmates doesn't think it worthwhile to sponsor them. Dave and Ryan give me all the amusement of Bert and Ernie without the embarrassment of having to explain myself to my wife. Some of the embarrassment. <laughs> I realize that this likely won't earn their votes for best reviews, but if you've been following their game picks at all, you know these guys are less accurate than a Jake Browning deep ball. Joke's on them, though. As a Utah fan, I can't wear their fancy underwear anyway. <laughs> uh, writing this was cathartic and may write a new one after they finish their, uh, this Hithliday Q&A. So see you in another hundred years. Wow. Two another, strong ones. Another strong one. I don't yeah. even know where to go with it. Like, there's more. This is from Jay Paris, 1992, five stars. The USC recruiting rankings of podcasts. Ooh. Uh, just like USC recruiting, all they care about is bribing people to raise the start level of their product <laughs> over raising the quality of the product itself. The opening 15 minutes of the podcast is now them reading this and other reviews. In fact, let me end the contest right now. My name is Ryan slash David, and I say the winner of this week's Jockey gift card is this review, and I will not allow anyone else to win this week, or I will only watch Colorado games the rest of the year. <laughs> other fun things to say, if David is reading, I want Clay Helton to be the next coach of UCLA with me as the DC, uh, me as the, wow, DC and Carl Dorello as the OC. If Ryan is reading, I cannot normally say this, or I, they will revoke my permissions around campus, but I cannot stand the USC fight song being played when other teams are scoring touchdowns and getting first downs. I think they spend more time on reviews than they do on their own content. So maybe they are working on improving their product. Cheers, guys, and thanks for the ferocious time. Uh, we'll do that one. They were ferocious. Good one. <laughs> Another good review. This is from uh, Chuck Folksy F1. The podcast of Runners Up. As a short-time listener who only found the, who only found this pod out of necessity, the incessant scolding to write a five-star review saw me taking inspiration from Nick Rolovich, not doing something simply out of spite. But what finally made me cave in was the fact that this isn't even the best Pac-12 podcast anymore. That title belongs to the No, no Truck Stops pod, which is run by literal college students. <laughs> I couldn't think of a more deserved spot for Ryan and Dave, whose personalities and access make up for the negative effort put into every episode. You can't help but respect the lack of hustle and blatant pandering for reviews. You're welcome for the paragraph spacing and go Ducks. P.S. Listen to the Quacked Out pod if you're an Oregon fan. 
Oh, nice. Love it. <laughs> Promoting other shows. On we will mind. we will absolutely do it. We'll do anything you want in these reviews as long as they have five stars. Five stars, yes. Uh, this is from Stanford fan number eight. Uh, five stars. Terrible. Uh, this podcast is truly terrible. Here are my biggest gripes about the podcast and what you can do to fix it. One, the most common complaint. It's way too long. Two hours? Really? No one has the time nor the attention span for that. My suggestion, uh, uh, record the episode as you normally do, then go back and edit out all the really mediocre stuff. You should end up with a solid 15 minutes or so of decent content, <laughs> which would fit perfectly into my busy schedule. Two, the reviews are the worst part of the show. I want to listen to uh, I want to listen about football, not about what people think of the podcast. I always skip the reviews, especially now that you've started handing out bribes for people to write them. <laughs> Put them at the end of the episode so that only the most bored listeners end up making it to that part. Three, when you start recapping the games, it can be a major spoiler for listeners who have the game who have who have taped the game but haven't watched it yet. Please be considerate and have an upfront disclaimer that you're about to uh, spoil what happened before recapping each game. Four. When you cut to an ad break in the middle of the show, the volume of the ads is too low and hard to hear. Can you find a way to turn up the volume on those? Five, the intro theme music worked for a while, but now it's stale and could use a refresh. Would love to see if you could get whoever did the Parastyle podcast intro to do yours. Good luck. I hope you guys can pull it together and get this thing off the ground. Um, Stanford fan, man. What I will say to Stanford fan. Yeah. Uh, so all Stanford fans are Stanford grads, Correct. Right. Yeah. It's, there's it's, no reason there's, not to. It's a pure Venn diagram. You don't lose it. <laughs> you don't become a Stanford fan for no. Re- Actually, I do know one. I know one who went to UCLA and was a Stanford diehard sports fan. Wow. Yeah. But uh, very rare. Very rare situation. Uh, Stanford grad. Like three too many typos in that review. I'm just gonna say there was it. a few. Yeah. Just gonna say. Um, Come on. We expect more out of you. Stanford fan number eight means he's one of the more recent ones of the ten. <laughs> yeah, but. he's probably a recent grad, which is even worse. Yes, because um, you still have all that the brainiac stuff. You have right. Like, your brain hasn't atrophied over the years. Exactly, of too like much ours. Post grad. All right, so we've got I think several strong contenders this week. Yeah, I think Todd from Orlando may have been the best one though. I think so. The first one out of the, I mean, but I mean, I like they were great. Um, I, yeah, I mean, who, Prodigal Ute, you were good. Chuck, you were great. Um, Jay Paris, that was solid. That was solid. In a different week, that might have won. Stanford fan, frankly, I like that. You know, pure negativity about our show is um, always right. It was a little too serious. Like it was like it it needed to be punched up a little bit. Yeah, but um, they're not known for their humor. The Stanford fans. No, they're very very (laughs) analytical. Let's Um, go, Todd from Orlando. Todd from Orlando, you're the big winner. Um, I still didn't send out. I still have to send out the card from last week. But Todd from Orlando, send me an email. Ryan at uscfootball.com, and I will send you a $100 gift card to Jockey. And they're great. We love them. Uh, Okay. We have some breaking news. I guess it's allowed. Dave, we're okay to talk about this now. Like, it's not. um, We're okay talking about. I was never. I never had a problem with this. I was having a problem with you talking about ASU all the time. Oh, you know, when we talked about what Nick Rolovich's future would be, we now know. Well, we don't know what his future is going to be, but we know. It's not going to be at Washington State. He uh, got he got uh, fired into the sun, Nick yes, Rolovich. for cause. Yeah, no, he got the 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 real dirty. Snip, um, snip. No more monies. No, nothing. no, no more monies. Uh, he can now, you know, uh, <laughs> feel free to like post his own articles on Facebook and try to convince more people. Um, but uh, yep, yeah. Nick Rolovich. See you later, buddy. He is out. Um, and if you if you ever watched a Washington State game and you saw him on the sideline, 
you know, he's there calling plays and stuff. Uh, he had the mask on because he wasn't vaccinated. Well, there was some other assistant coaches that had masks on too. And you were wondering like, oh, and I, I didn't know, I didn't like dive into how much, like how many of them, but there's a significant amount. Four more assistant coaches were fired because they were following along and, with the conspiracy brain and, of and Nick Rolovich. And I'll make the point here. Obviously, they're all grown men, grown adults, the whole thing. Uh, this is, again, on Nick Rolovich. Because if the head coach tells you, hey, I'm getting vaccinated and so are you, no assistant is going to sit there and say, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with my principles. They're gonna get vaccinated too. This is on Nick Rolovich. Uh, he, 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 he did a disservice to himself, to his assistant coaches, and uh, to a bunch of his players. Um, you know, just pure, uh, pure selfish bullshit. Frankly, um, yeah. throw out all of the things you might think about vaccines or whatever. Uh, just not a leader. Yeah, and uh, that's that's the long and the short of it. Some of the mentions of like you know national reporters that were you know this was John Canzano broke it, and then obviously the school uh, had their official uh, statements from Pat Chun and the the president and all that. Um, I tried to watch the press conference because it was on Pac-12 Network. I have Sling, so I only get the regional networks. They were the Washington one was showing some replay of some game. Or that's something. cool. That's really yeah, cool. that's that's pretty on par. When we talked to George Klafkoff, I'm like, George, by the way, like, that's dumb. Um, and why does Sling not have the national feed? Like, that doesn't make any sense either. Uh, but the other four assistants, uh, Ricky uh, Logo, the de- defensive tackles coach, he's gone. I think they showed him, one of the reporters showed him, like, walking out with a lamp. They left, pretty much all left right away. They didn't address the team. Uh, John Richardson, who's the cornerbacks coach, but he's also the recruiting coordinator. He's out. Uh, Craig Stuntsman, he's the co-offensive coordinator and coaches the quarterbacks. He's out. And then Mark Weber, the offensive line coach. So um, lose a couple assistants on both sides of the ball. Uh, your recruiting coordinator. Uh, was it Jake Dickert? The defensive coordinator is going to be step up and be the interim head coach. They've thought about this for a while. They're going to look to, you know, bring in some some guys. June Jones's name came up because he's someone that's run the. That would make sense to bring him in to run the offense because he's run the run and shoot. I get that's what uh, Chun said was it's just hard. It's not an easy offense to replace right away. So um, they they host BYU this weekend. It's going to be kind of crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm interested to see how Washington State looks the rest of the year. It seems like Rolovich to an extent had the support of his players. Hundred um, percent. I mean. No, maybe not. No, not a hundred percent. But I can like, think of at least one who, uh, well, former player him. who's suing the university. Because but like Jane Delore, like there's a lot of guys that were just gushing and just yeah, Jalen Watson. Like there were a lot of guys who were. Um, so it's I'll, I'll be interested to see if they fold or if they you know do the win one for the Gipper thing. Um, but just a big idiot, big dumb idiot, um, who <laughs> uh, put himself above uh, all the like stuff that you talk about in sports. Um, you know, I've made the joke, you know, conspiracy brain beat out coach brain, but it also just beat out like basic like leadership stuff brain. Like I mean, survival. Like Yeah, well, okay. There's like so many different levels of this. Um big dumb idiot covers a lot of it though, because he's never gonna get another power five head coaching job. This is the last one he'll ever have. Yeah. Because of this. Um, not because he's a bad coach. I mean, he had Washington State looking okay, um, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but because he's a big dumb idiot. Um, and big dumb idiots don't get don't get to try this again. 
because now anytime anybody looks at his resume, they're going to see, wow, this AD a year and a half in had to like go on television for, you know, the 300,000 people who could watch, but had to go on television and say, yeah, I made a mistake hiring this guy. You know, we did all the like he had to go into like we did all the vetting and background, but there's some things you can't find out um, about somebody. Um, and th- this is so not good for him. So not good for these assistants. Um, he he ruined a lot of people here. I think a lot. I mean, to me, they're going to be an untouchable coach for a while. Like someone will take a chance. Oh, he'll be an no offensive coordinator at some level. Um, yeah. I don't think it'll be power five. But he'll be an offensive coordinator at some level, but I don't think he's ever getting a power five head coaching job again. Yeah. There's um like I mentioned, the Twitter mentions were kind of there's definitely some some crazy stuff. Well, man, he stuck to his convictions and and people will be like, Well, what were his convictions? He never said why he wasn't going to if he came out and was like, here's the reason why, and it was something dumb, but at least he told you this is why I'm not taking the vaccine. Whatever it is, like you make, there's some reason. Uh, and you're like, okay, well, at least you can kind of, you know, we can dis- debate that or we can discuss about it. I guess they tried to educate him and his assistants and all that didn't work. But there's definitely fringe support. You know, there's obviously people that don't want to hear it, like don't want to be told what to do. And that's fine. Like if someone doesn't want to do it, I mean, I don't care. Like, yes, you can get on people. But if you're going to have this high profile job, you're going to be the highest paid p- person in the state of Washington, you know. Um, you know, that's, and you're going to lead 130 young men, there's going to be sacrifices you have to make to become that leader. And there's things you're going to do that maybe you don't want to do, but you have to because of the position that you're in. If you don't want to do it, all right, he's st- you know, stuck to his convictions or whatever. And now he's going to be unemployed and, and, uh, you know, going somewhere. I don't know. I mean, just, it doesn't make much sense to me that you could feel this strongly about it, that you would do something like this so it's just it's well just baffling. i mean really what it is is he's um he's heavily invested in he's more heavily invested in whatever stupid culture war is being fought on his facebook page than he is in the job he was doing and for that reason alone you fire him um because th- his priorities were clearly not with his football team i can't imagine like these guys these guys these like? guys are paid that much money to make this their sole focus like and yeah, it's stupid. I mean, it's really dumb that we pay these guys that much money to do this, but it is important to a lot of people. That's why Nick Saban is a robot psychopath who only cares <laughs> about like he would have gotten the vaccine to all of his players when it was in like the experimental trial phase in October of 2020, if he could have, because his priority is winning football games and a vaccinated team doesn't lose players to COVID and wins more football games. He, uh, he because, might have had his players get COVID just to exactly like <laughs> or, he has he has he has insane coach brain. Um, Rolovich, it's it's conspiracy brain, but it's also just like dumbass brain. Um, it's it's Facebook dumbass brain, um, and that was his priority, and he's getting duly um, uh, dealt with for that. I mean, go be uh, go be somebody on TV, uh, dude, but you shouldn't be coaching a football team because. For a lot of people, this is very serious business. I don't think it is, but for a lot of people, it is. Yeah. Uh, woo. I I wonder what his Facebook page looks like. like uh, it's a lot one. of it's a lot of family members sharing um, really really dubious articles, like really, really? dubiously sourced articles. A hundred percent. This is this reads so much like like several aunts and uncles are just sharing information with him all the time, and it's from like stuff that's like 
.net.org slash uh, truth found out. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like that kind of stuff. Um, like aliens are among us, though? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, no. D- dude's a believer. He's a believer in it all. Uh, I mean, you don't know. I mean, I don't, like, I, I like that, you know, Pat Chung took responsibility. I don't, you know, I think you vetted him enough. He seemed like a perfect fit, you know. And they talked about someone that you wanted to keep around. He would be a lifer. Like, he would never leave. Well, think about where he know. was a year and a half ago or whatever when he was hired two years ago now. Um, we were talking about him like, oh, wow, he's going to a bar and meeting with these guys, like fans and stuff. This is an excellent fit. This is going to be so good. And then, like, uh, the realities of the world dealt him uh, a few um, situations that really, really tested parts of him that I don't think had been tested at Hawaii. Um, and it turns out that those areas were not conducive to being uh, a head coach, and yeah. be, to being a leader of any kind of, um, I, I don't know, uh, multicultural group. Um, like, I mean, his, his opposition to the We Are United thing and his virulent opposi- opposition to it to the point where that was the reason he kicked Cassidy Woods essentially off the team. That's not great. And that did, that was not mirrored by any other head coach in the country. That's the thing. Like that sort of attitude, that sort of um, uh, uh, opposition, it was it was completely alien to everyone else because they understood who are the people that we are leading right here, right? Um, and uh, like from a purely practical standpoint, whether or not they believed in it or not, from a purely practical standpoint, uh, who, who am I leading here? And I think his goal has always been, um, especially these last two years, has been focusing on his own personal beliefs and his own selfish attitudes towards everything. This is something obviously see, seen coming for a while. I can't tell you. There's certain moments of in your life that you're just like, you're like, this is weird. I remember being at USC in 1992, like when Reginald Denny got pulled out of that truck, like going outside in LA right before the riot started. It was like, I can't tell you the feeling. There was just like you felt different. Like there's something very weird. I'm not comparing that to this, but I'm just saying I had a, much you know dialed down version of this at Pac-12 Media Day when Nick Rolovich was on Zoom and it was just like this is not right like you you could tell like what is going on like this is going to change a lot of stuff and you know 6 7 weeks later or whatever he's not the head coach of uh well i, I mean if Washington we it, a larger discussion um real sign of the times like real sign of the fraying um uh uh shared I don't know, uh, understanding of the world that a guy who gets paid that much money was willing to say no based on essentially, essentially crazy shit he read on Facebook. Like real, like dark sign of the times that that's happening because you don't see stuff like this. Like it's, this is the kind of stuff that like, okay, you have got videos of like state troopers in Washington getting fired or whatever for this. Yeah. Like, okay, at that level, maybe you go be a security guard or something and you make roughly the same amount of money. He's never going to have a job like this again. He's never going to make that much money again. And it's like, what are you doing, dude? Like for And people are like, oh, I respect his choice. What choice? <laughs> like, he hasn't articulated a single goddamn thing about this. And if you read what his mom was tweeting, it's pretty obvious what's going on here. It has nothing to do with a religious exemption to crap. No. It's he has gotten indoctrinated in such a way that he was willing to sacrifice a three million dollar job based on completely unprovable things. I would think 
take the, take your three million dollar year salary, get, give me a million and have and go hire someone to go do some research. Like, hey, go find out if right. it's okay. Like, yeah, give, it's fine. Give me three million dollars and you can stab me. Like, <laughs> yeah, not even don't even poke me with a needle. Stab me. I'll take it. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just one payment of three million dollars. Not like you're gonna give me a contract with multiple years of getting paid three million dollars. <laughs> Stab me for each one. <laughs> Every Halloween, you yes. stab me. Someone with a Jason mask. Yes. <laughs> like, no, no truly vital organs, but if you want to take out one kidney, that's fine. <laughs> a gallbladder. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. So this was a long time coming. It's, it's now over. You feel bad for the players. I mean, it, even if the, he was not very popular as a head coach, it's he's still that your leader. You know, people are going to defend. You know, you buy a Panasonic versus a Hitachi DVR or whatever. And like, you're going to like, Oh, I bought it. It's like, I, it's my thing. You know, even if you don't like it that much, you still kind of defend it. Like they're going to defend him and you get it. How quickly do they move off? We saw like whenever a coach gets fired, there was, you know, uh, USC players were crying when Clay Helton was gone, you know, but whatever, like you move on. I feel like the Washington state players are going to move on. They're on a three game winning streak, you know? Um, Losing half your coaching staff during the week of a game, this is different than just losing the head coach. I don't know. I, it's not like we can predict what happens in this stupid conference anyway. Now it's just like it's a whole other thing. It's just like, okay, what is going to happen with Washington State? You feel bad for the players. They got to host BYU. I don't know. We'll get to that game later on, but. I kind of have a feeling they're going to play well for some reason, but who knows? Potent- yeah, I think so. I think they'll they'll play hard. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they can get uh, June Jones in there to run the offense. Real quick, before we got some other stuff to get to. We need to look at Stanford's remaining schedule because I forgot who uh, tweeted, uh, so I'm sorry. Um, but if you recall, within 48 hours of USC playing Stanford, Clay Helton fired. Within 48 hours of Washington State playing Stanford, Nick Rolovich fired. Now, Nick Rolovich beat David Shaw, but he still got fired. So you know what's coming up next? Washington. So? So I don't think Jimmy Lake's in any danger until I saw this. Dun, dun, dun. Could it happen? Yeah. I mean, he's refused to bench Dylan Morris. How about this? Uh, November 20th, Mm -hmm. Justin Wilcox. This could be the David Shaw, like the reckoning. (laughs) Just, Just... (laughs) <laughs> straight taking people out. Uh, um, what about Notre Dame? Is Brian Kelly even close? Could he get fired? They're five and one. No. Yeah. Okay. They, they lost to Cincinnati though at home. They did. They're uh, they, they went to the playoffs last year. Yeah. He beat Clemson. Yeah, but they don't like him, and he's not nice. That's true. Yeah. That is also he killed true. a guy. He did kill a guy. So okay, so the next two coaches to be fired will be Jimmy Lake, Week Nine, and. Uh, week 12, Justin Wilcox will make it all the way to week 12. So pretty good, for him. good, pretty yep. good stuff there. Uh, the AP poll, let's go over that real quick. Um, <laughs> the first team ranked from the Pac-12 is Oregon at number 10. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was looking it up last night on SRS because uh, yeah. it's like a good metric to like look at historically because a lot of these advanced stat systems don't go back that far. This is the worst the Pac-12 has been since at least 2000. I didn't go back further than that. So, before, like, USC's run. Yeah. No, uh, it's at least since 2000. I didn't go back further, but it could be 
It this could be worse. Co- this is a contender, I think, for the worst the league has ever been. Wow. So what what do we do? What are we doing here? Like we, <laughs> this is what we cover. Oh, so we do man. this voluntarily. We do. We do. Essentially voluntarily because we're not getting paid for this. But yeah, for all those people that are like, hey, you get what you pay for, man. Come on. We're <laughs> yeah. giving you free stuff. We're Don't actually complain. we're actually giving more money than we receive for this. Yes. We're yes. giving away money to you guys. Uh just for listening. Um, all right. We also have our week seven survival pool. People were asking about it because I think that it's coming down to the wire. Uh, 11 entered week seven. You want to guess how many are left? Four. Eight. Hey. Uh, close. So eight are left. Um, the winners, eight people picked Oregon, two picked Utah, one picked UCLA. The seven, the week seven losers, three of them all picked Stanford. It's the second week in a row where the only losing picks were for Stanford. So keep picking Stanford. seems to be working. Um, yeah, and he said, sorry for the goof last week. So he posted people's emails. In the, um, he says, as a punishment, I shall return to the podcast half of my salary for this endeavor. So we expect the check. A check for, for zero dollars <laughs> and zero cents. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's see. We have we have a bunch of questions to get to, but we got to obviously do our um, Pac-12 Roundup. First off, uh, yeah. And we did our Pac-12 what do we call them now? They can't be the power rankings, right? Like, um, powerless rankings. Powerless rankings. <sighs> should we should we invert the order then? Like, should number one be Arizona because <laughs> they are the number one most powerless? <laughs> I think that's great. Let's do that this week. Uh, I got to figure that out though. I got to do okay. Uh, well, we'll just keep it the same. Um, all right, so we have our number twelve team again, Arizona Wildcats. <laughs> They were on the road taking on our a number 11 team. Colorado Buffalo. And the game bo- of the century. <laughs> and boy, did the gap between 11 and 12 become stark. Should we call them 13 or 14? Or <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, guys. Sorry, Wildcats. Uh, Colorado. Hopeless Colorado. Absolutely inept Colorado. Beat the absolute piss out of Arizona, thirty-four to zero. It wasn't like this. Like no. it wasn't like this until it very suddenly became like this. The first half was the most miserable half of football I think I've watched all year. Um, it was just punt, punt, punt. Like blocked field goal, missed field goal, punt, punt, punt. Awful, terrible football. It was six nothing Colorado at the half, and you're thinking, okay. Arizona just needs something lucky to happen. And instead, Colorado had a whole lot of good things happen for them. Uh, so it was 6 nothing, and then uh, punt touchdown for uh, Colorado. And then on the ensuing drive for Arizona, uh, Gunner Cruz threw a pick six. Turns out Gunner, threw, Gunner Cruz threw that pick six after already having suffered a season-ending injury. Mm. Yeah. Um, he decided to stay in and throw. He decided to stay in and throw the pick six. I felt really bad. I felt really bad for him because they also isoed on him on camera where he was like crying on the sideline. It's like this is not cool. Like this is like watching a car crash. Don't do this. We don't want to watch that. Um, it was really really bad. Um, Arizona was completely inept. Uh, they couldn't do anything in the passing game. Um, they ran the ball maybe okay, maybe a little bit. Um, but frankly, once it went. Once 
Colorado scored a special teams touchdown. Once it was 13 to nothing, this game was over. Yeah. And everyone knew this game was over. Um, and then Gunner th- Cruz threw the pick six, and it was like just there was no chance. No. Arizona might have lucked into a touchdown if this was still competitive at the end. They weren't going to luck into two. Um, and this is this is so bad because Colorado's not good. They they had Brendan Lewis throwing 248 yards against wow. the Wildcats. That seems like a lot. That's not good. If he's if he's throwing for that against you, that's not good. Uh, Arizona is awful. Um, they're not in any analytic systems, but uh, they're my pick for the worst Power Five team or the worst um, FBS team this year. There's only two FBS teams that haven't won. Uh, right. UNLV in Arizona because UConn got a win against something against uh, Yale. Yale, there you go. Yeah. See, uh, an Ivy League. This is the 18th loss in a row for our beloved Wildcats. Okay, um, you ready to do this? Can we do this real quick? Yeah. All right. Here's the remaining schedule for Arizona this year. They've got versus Washington at home. Mm. Uh, they've got at USC versus Cal at home. Like, if you're squinting and looking for something that they have a chance of winning, that's probably the one yes then it's versus utah home then at washington state then at asu so arizona fans i would start circling like just in like double black ink that cow game because there's at least a halfway chance that you might be able to pull that one out but if you don't i don't know at usc like team score 47 points on usc in the coliseum in the arizona <laughs> wall but other teams do all right but then they start off next year okay at san diego state not going to win that. Mississippi State. Not going to win that. And then here's a real, real tricky one. North Dakota State. Like a good F. Yeah, FCS. you don't want to be playing an FCS school with Dakota in the name. <laughs> like you had NAU who was bad. So before you get into conference play next year. So they're at 18 right now. Yeah. Before 20s. They could. It's not hard to imagine that they're at a 27-game losing streak heading into conference play next year. Uh, they were herocious. I mean, what are you gonna do? Like, I, I, I don't know. Holy shit, man! Like, I, I feel, I just feel awful for Arizona fans. It's bad. I mean, this was like late in the game, right? It was six nothing. It wasn't like this wasn't the first quarter. This was happening. This was like in the fourth quarter or something. Like it was like it was gonna be an awful, awful game, and then. You got a blitzkrieg from Colorado that just went absolutely nuts with all the mistakes. Um, it's incredible. So, yeah, that, the thumb injury, that that's a bummer. So we're going to see some Will Plummer, I guess, going forward and maybe some walk-ons. Um, Colorado entered the game, a league low, 13.8 points per game. And your buddy, your friend, your pal, Carl Durrell, who you had ranked ahead of Rick Neuheisel in your UCLA coaching rankings for some reason, Something you he did something you probably won't like. He kicked a field goal. I mean, this is a team that hasn't won in the conference yet. Fourth and one. Not not from from the one from the one fourth and goal from the one. He he kicked the field goal. That that's probably analytically you should do that every time, right? I assume. <laughs> like that makes sense. In this game, maybe. <laughs> when you score thirteen point eight <laughs> points per game, you're like let's kick the field goal. Fourth and goal from the one. Got to get like, them where you can get them, right? Like, what in the actual... Like, <laughs> like, that's awful. And you won. Yeah, well, I mean, 
It took until the all right, so it was a game they won thirty four to nothing. It took until the end of the third quarter for them to score an offensive touchdown. Like that's yeah. Colorado wasn't good. That's my point here. No, they like weren't. they weren't good. It was six nothing like late in the third, right? Like, yeah, that was I think it was six. It was like midway through the third when yeah, they okay, started yeah. doing the gong show stuff. But um no, but Arizona was just that bad, just that inept that they couldn't even take advantage of a not good Colorado. Oh boy. Uh okay. Well, Game of the century. Uh, it was an early game. I was coming back from Catalina. I didn't get to watch. I got to watch some some replay stuff on it. But holy crap! What? Uh, I, I'm bummed. I missed it, and I'm I'm not bummed that I missed it. Okay. Next up, we have our number ten team, California Golden Bears. Uh, did they play? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes they like, sure what? did. I was like, did they have a bye week? Uh, they played our now number two team. Oregon <laughs> I like, Ducks. <laughs> I was like, did they really play? They did, actually. They they almost beat Oregon. Crazy. God, what a bad game. Uh, is Cal the team this year where they're just involved in so many like kind of unwatchable football games? Yeah, because you're like, oh, Chase Garbers is garbage. Oh, he's actually pretty good. Or the offense is capable. Or the, they're the worst. And... They just seem like some weeks they look like, you know, they're right up there with Arizona and Colorado. And some were like, oh, they're kind of feisty, but still not winning. Yeah. So uh, Oregon pulled this one out 24-17. I thought um, Anthony Brown was maybe a little bit better in this one from like a reading standpoint, but I think still throwing the ball pretty inaccurate. Um, But I thought he was uh, kind of poo. He's not good. He's not good. Actually, like I thought he was going to be pretty good this year. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just honestly like accuracy, like just basic accuracy, I think, has been maybe his biggest issue this year. I mean, there have been some issues um, uh, in the RPO game the last few games as well. But um, this one, I thought he was better, Um, looked overall uh, more uh, in command of the offense. Um, Cal. uh, So they scored 17 points. this offense looks so dreadful. Um, like watching the final drive for Cal, um, like really honing in on what Chase Garbers was trying to do and what they were calling and how uncomfortable he looks. What is he in? His like seventh year at Cal? It's been a while. He's not Jake Browning level, but he's... He should be... Like two years ago, he looked really in command of whatever the crap they were running then was. And now he looks like he looks like a freshman sometimes out there where he just doesn't know where he's supposed to be going, what he's supposed to be doing. And I think it's because the scheme is just so bad. Um, like that's all I can, you know, pin this on is that it's just so bad. Um, and like the throws, it just like no chance throws, um, you know, routes being run through double coverage where he just had no chance to complete it. Um, just really, really bad. Um, once they got in the red zone, it was just it, it seemed so obvious that they were not going to score. Um so Oregon pulled this one out. Um, I think Oregon's uh, got some obvious flaws, um, and it starts a lot on offense with Anthony Brown. Um, but just, I mean, even defensively, I don't think this is anywhere close to um, what we were expecting maybe this year from Oregon's defense. Um, I mean, Cal ran for 155 yards and threw for 247. Um, just, you know, against a team this kind of inept on offense i would have expected much better from a defense as talented as oregon yeah this is uh we both got this one wrong we thought oregon would cover they've been bad against the spread i think i think the only time they covered was against ohio state no mario cristobal suddenly has uh herm edwards disease it's like keep it close and i mean it's 
it's pretty bad. I thought Garbers outplayed Brown. Um, you know, Brown had made some more plays with his legs probably, but, uh, but Kayvon Thibodeau, unfortunately for Garbers exists and he puts all kinds of pressure yeah. on your boy chase. Um, he's, but he's like the one good part of that Oregon defense. Everything else I find very mediocre. And they played well against Ohio State. Like, that's the only time they look like a real football team. So I'm going to give you the stats. So uh, throw out Stony Brook. They have played one-score games against Fresno State, Ohio State, Stanford, and Cal. And frankly, 41-19 against Arizona is the equivalent of a one-score game yes. against the Wildcats. <laughs> True. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Like... The problem is you can't put all your eggs in the they beat Ohio State basket. And Ohio State looks legit now. Like they're probably gonna win out. Like they're probably gonna win the oh, yeah. That was a huge win. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you watch everything else Oregon's done this year. I don't I'm I'm just not quite getting it. Is it playing to the level of the competition? Some people play down, but they played up to the level of competition at the horseshoe with guys injured. Like that was a Huge win. Well, but they, I think they play to the level of their competition. I think they coach to the level of their competition. I think, like, Mario Cristobal is very much a grinder, and he wants to grind out games. I mean, he's an offensive line coach. Um, they don't dominate. They don't They don't blow out. Um, and that's a concern because if you, you know, play around with teams too much, uh, some of them are going to beat you because, yeah. you know, one weird lucky thing happens at the end of the game. You want to defeat variants by blowing teams out. That's what Ohio State's done since that game, and it's what Oregon just doesn't do. Yeah. Well, uh, more mysteries here. I mean, do we know, Cal? Do we know? I mean, we don't know. We it's don't know. Just, it's like week to week. It we just, know nothing. Uh, I definitely know nothing. All right. Um, our number nine team. USC Trojans. They had a bye. Thankfully. Number eight team. Washington Huskies. <laughs> They were taking on and hosting our number four team, UCLA Bruins. Right. Uh, UCLA went up to Seattle and pulled out the road win. Um, UCLA really, um, I thought, dominated the game. Wasn't necessarily reflected in the final score, but Washington was, uh, I thought they were terrible offensively. Um, Pretty bad. Dylan Morris is not good. Uh, He looks worse um, with every passing week in this offense. Whenever you see a guy go from pretty good um, in his first year to bad in his second year running the same scheme, that's usually a reflection on the offensive coordinator. Great coaching. Is that what you're saying? John Donovan's terrible, and he should be fired today. Um, Running the ball, Kamari Pleasant was pretty good. Sean McGrew um, really struggled between the tackles. I thought UCLA's defensive line played really, really well. Washington's offensive line continues to be the biggest WTF in the entire league this year. was expected to be one of the best in the league has turned out to be one of the worst. Um, UCLA, which hadn't been able to get pressure much at all in uh, the weeks prior, was getting pressure kind of constantly, got a bunch of tackles for loss, um, just really uh, flummoxed by... Um, uh, the, uh, Washington's offensive line was really flummoxed by like just the basic twists and stunts and like stemming that UCLA was doing up front. Um, and uh, for a group that experienced, that was kind of wild to see. Um, so bad coaching there as well. Um, defensively for Washington, I thought they didn't do enough stacking the box. Um, you know, obviously UCLA ran for 237 yards. I felt it was a very stubborn game plan from uh, Jimmy Lake. Um, they they really should have forced Dorian Thompson Robinson to beat them through the air, and they didn't. Um, I don't know. 
you know, watching it, I didn't think they put in, they committed enough numbers to the run. Um, and especially with Kyle Phillips out, um, they should have just gone completely man and, and really, really focused on putting putting numbers in the box. And I don't think they did that to the extent they should have. Dorian Thompson Robinson um, did so. UCLA did a few interesting things to kind of mitigate what I think might be arm issues a little for Dorian. Um, they started doing these little shovel passes things. Um, I think there were like five of them in the game. I saw those, yeah. Where it was a forward pass, but it was just a quick little thing to the slot, whoever it was. In this case, it was a lot of Casimir Allen um, to get him just some easy yards. They also got it to Greg Dulcich at one point on that. Um, I think that's trying to work around um, Dorian's kind of last couple of games, inability to hit downfield. Um, but overall, this was the Zach Charbonnet show. Uh, he was excellent, and he, you know, really put the capper on the game with his final, um, I don't know, five carries on the last drive. Just when Washington had finally committed numbers to the box, he still was able to just drive for first downs and uh, ice the game on offense, which is what you're always trying to do is hold on to the ball and just uh, put this one out of reach. But uh, I thought UCLA was clearly the better team, clearly dominated this from the outset. And uh, this is one that I got wrong. Well, yeah, I got this one right, actually. Um the weird one, I was watching TTR throwing some of the short passes were like from the, you know, throwing from the, the far hash, like all the way across the field, just to the line of scrimmage. It looked like he had to use all his effort just to throw this ball. Well, they were doing a lot of these weird Emery and Henry formations where it was like splitting. That's the one where you got like one offensive lineman in front of you and you split out all the offensive linemen yeah. to the edges. And they were wildly unsuccessful like really really <laughs> bad but each time he had to throw from like essentially one hash mark all the way the laterally across line. the field and each time it was blown up and i'm like what is the attempted gain here <laughs> like what are what what is being that ball's going a long what way. is being attempted here is it just to try to even this out give them a pick six or what are we doing here yeah that was weird i, I when i switched over this one because there, there was three cool games at night that you know and this one I switched over. When I switched over, it was 16 to 3 UCLA. And instantly the announcers were talking about that I think DTR did a QB sneak from the one and they didn't blow the play dead for like a long time. Okay, I gotta say this. I gotta okay. say this. Uh Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman may be the worst announcing crew in college football. Because okay, yeah, they didn't blow it dead, but also they kept riding Dorian for not follow for for basically not having perfect idea of what the defense was doing on the other side and like analyzing the gaps. And it's like, you do understand that on these sneaks, it's not just like, Oh, everyone just pushes forward and that's it. Like there's, there is blocking going on. And if you watch what they're doing, like, especially on the one that was like midfield, all of the blocking is going to the left. If he chooses to go to the right. Yes. Yes. The defense is not have as many guys out there, but you know what they do have? completely unblocked defenders. <laughs> it's a sneak. It's not like it's he's getting the shotgun and then he can read the whole thing. He has to make an instantaneous decision when he gets the ball. What would you do? Follow your blocking or try to beat a couple of linebackers physically at the line of scrimmage? Yeah, I mean, it's just... Follow your blocking. Yeah, it was but just it, dumb stuff. It was just more about... There was the first... I'm like, oh, they're complaining about the officials. And then there's other games. Oh, they're complaining about the officials. Like, there was a lot of officiating talk. But that was like as soon as I switched over, they were talking about the Pac-12 officials not blowing the play dead. Uh, but UCLA looked like in control there. You know, Washington had some, you know, we know UCLA secondary is not very good. They sort of made Dylan Morris look like an actual Pac-12 quarterback at times. He does still lead the league in interceptions. And Jimmy Lake said they're not going to, you know, they're nowhere near 
Jimmy uh, Lake wants to be fired. That's the only explanation because Dylan Morris. Well, here's the thing, and for Washington fans, Dylan Morris isn't good. Don't get me wrong. Nobody's going to be good in this offense. No. You put anybody back there, it's going to be bad. Uh, what he needs to be talking about instead of Dylan Morris um, being pulled is John Donovan being fired. Uh, that's the part that needs to happen. That's the part that needs to happen this offseason as soon as humanly possible. Um, and that's the fire that needs to be lit. I think there's uh, maybe a little bit too much focus on the quarterback situation for um, some constituents in the uh, Washington community. It's not your quarterback. He was fine last year when he only had a little bit of this stupid scheme indoctrinated in him. Now he's got a lot, and he's way worse. Yeah. So do the math. Um, it's not it's not the quarterback. It's the it's the stupid scheme. But I thought it was ironic. Washington driving late, down a score, and UCLA seals the game, and because they could just run the ball out afterwards with an interception. So the beleaguered UCLA secondary comes up with a big play. But that's a, it was a great example of yeah. There is a little bit of this, the quarterback. A well-thrown ball is a touchdown right there because the UCLA corner, if you noticed, he was on the inside of the receiver where if the ball goes over, He's the, the receivers, uh, yeah, he had him. I mean, the receiver had him beat by like a good yard. It's just, you know, Devin Kirkwood played it well for a corner who'd been beaten. Like he, he got himself in position where anything other than a very well-thrown ball, he was going to be able to pick off. Yeah. But a well-thrown ball is a touchdown. <laughs> And that wasn't the case. So, uh, yeah, there's a little irony there to finish the game. But great win for UCLA. Um, Got to figure out where Washington goes from here. Let's see. Let's move on. This was a good one, too. Our number seven team. Stanford Cardinal. Up on the Palouse, taking over number six team. Washington State Cougars. All right. So Stanford went to Washington State, and Ryan was sitting pretty. And so was David Shaw after the first quarter when Stanford was up 13 to nothing. That's was, enough points, right? That should be plenty. David should be Shaw, plenty of points. David Shaw decided to stop playing football at that point. Yes. And Washington State. Uh, they didn't for some reason. Right, riding high for their guy, Nick Rolovich. Yeah. Uh, scored 20 points in the second quarter, took commanding lead going into halftime of four points, and then, uh, you know, held on to the end. Uh and had to make a little comeback there at the end to uh, to pull it out 34-31. Uh, yeah, Stanford most... scored late. It took the lead. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then didn't play any defense. They turned the gas back on, but then uh, forgot to turn it on on both sides. Of the yes. Oven. Yep. And uh, so there you have it. 34-31, Washington State. This was uh, a lot of flags in this one. Like a ton. To the point where the announcers in the second quarter were asking what the record for the number of flags in a game is and they only finished with 16 huh they only finished with 16 well it was there was like 11 like at that point or something eh. there was a lot um this is something that needs to be addressed by george klayovkov like there's just the pac-12 is the most penalized league there's the most penalty yards of any league is the pac-12 i think you just got to change that like if you think it's a flag don't they're trying not to miss any flags as opposed to trying to let the, the flow of the game go so i i it's just it was unwatchable for at times with so many flags um but it was 13 nothing and like it you really felt like shaw just shut things down um they got up by four again and stopped playing football the 90s the the final drive uh in 90 seconds they wasted one timeout uh on the drive before so you know when stanford tried to score there 
Uh, he didn't throw a pass. They didn't call a timeout after a sack. It was when Stanford got the ball, it looked like they had never played football before. You're like, what is going on? Like, why? First of all, you wasted timeouts. Um, it, it just looked like they were dumbfounded that Washington State scored that quickly. And, okay, well, it's over. We already had our lead. We can't, we can't go get another one. Um, I don't know if you saw that final drive, but it just looked like McKee, who's great, it looked like he was taking his first snaps at quarterback. Like, it just didn't some, – it something was not right. And uh, it was just baffling to me to watch the end game play for Stanford and David Shaw. Um, and obviously, you know, me picking Stanford and them having the big lead and uh, not, not working out. It just was – it was baffling to me that they could play very competent football for a while and then other times look like, well, our plan was that we were going to, you know, win – 21-17. Well, they've scored more than that. I don't know what we're going to do now. It was just it was just baffling to me to see, to watch Stanford at times in this game. Yeah, I, I think the the real thing that they're faced with is just the complete inability to run the football. Um and so much of their ethos is still built around that, um like being ball control. Uh and they just can't do it. They cannot uh run the ball. Um and haven't really been able to consistently for a few years now. Um so I either you have to change ethos or better get ready better at running the ball. Yeah, they they cannot run the football. They had a couple decent runs. But if you just watch when Washington State had the ball and Jane Delora, it just it felt like you were downhill, right? Like yeah. it just felt like things were gonna move. They moved down. When Stanford got the ball, it was like sack, not sc- not call timeout, wasting time. You're like, what are you doing? Like, it just looked like it was a team that had never practiced before. Should we do Stanford ass watch? What's that? Which is the butt watch. Like, will Stanford be butt? Like, will their oh. final record end up being butt? So I, I think the whole Pac-12 is so bad. Like, Stanford is definitely not good. But people are like, see, they're good. Like, they're not. Sorry, okay. they're not good. So here's what they have left. It's Washington at home. Utah at home. At Oregon State. Cal at home. Notre Dame at home. So they're not beating Notre Dame. Notre Dame's really not that good, though. They're not that good, but they're not beating them. Probably not. They're going to be... The rest of those are all, like, weird winnable games, I think, for Stanford. I think they're all coin flips. Yeah, I think it's all... I think it's, like, two and two, and then you throw in the loss to Notre Dame, so two and three. So that'll leave them at five and seven. I would say I still would have to back off my their butt. Yeah. But they're not good. Like at four and eight, I think you can go back to being their butt. I'd feel pretty good about that. Yeah. So you're you're gonna be looking for one and three over the next four. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's gonna happen though. I think they'll go two and two. I don't yeah, know which two. Washington's not good. Not good. Uh Utah's good, but you know, weird things can happen in that game. At Oregon State, that feels like a tough one just because it's the road atmosphere, but that could happen. And Cal's not good. Yeah. So, <sighs> all right, we'll see. Um, okay, our next uh, team, our no- at number five, we have Oregon State Beavers. They're on a bye, so good for them. We had number four at uh, UCLA, and then the game of the week, we had number three Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> Tough place to play, Salt Lake City. On the road, taking on our now, and sorry, Ute fans, our number one team, Utah Utes. 
Because the last three weeks, our number one team lost. Yes. That's how good this conference is. You, you looked so smart at halftime of this game. Oh, yeah. It was 21-7. 21-7 ASU. And it didn't look that close. Riding high. And then you want to talk about a team that forgot how to play football in the second half. They... That was more like Shaw looked like he was shutting things down. Like no ASU, they came out and it was like, oh, like, it's it's body snatchers. Like they don't know the sport because they're from a different planet. Yes, there was a bunch of soccer players out here going, wait, what? Are, like, what's illegal emotion and what you know? Holy shit, dude! Um, they were wait, hold on. They were ferocious, so bad, like just so egregiously terrible. I really um, thought I was going to beat you. I was like, okay, Stanford's covering, Arizona State's covering. No well, because ASU looked so much better, like yeah. in the first half. It was just, it was completely, uh, yeah. This this one was over. Um, and then Utah comes out in the second half and goes touchdown, 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 touchdown. Yeah, twenty eight unanswered. Yeah, and yeah, helped by a missed field goal for ASU. But this was so ASU won the first half. Like they looked better than Utah. Utah dominated yes. the second half. Um this was uh in in total Utah looked like more like what I was expecting after the USC game like okay they're legit now. Like they've figured some things out. Uh but if you just took it as two halves it was like the first half no they haven't figured out anything. They look right. terrible. That's this is just this the USC go. effect. And then the second half they looked like what was it? 2018 Utah? Like yeah. the dominant team. Um that's what this looked like. So first one thing this makes me very excited about Utah next year because I think that's a year that Whittingham's building towards because I think this second half might look a little bit like what next year looks like. Oh, maybe. Um, but also, Utah can totally make a run here at the end of the season. Um, they haven't lost the Pac-12 game. Right, and this was the first time ASU looked kind of silly, even for you know a full half. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Utah looked great. Cam Rising um, in the second half looked really, really good, looked really sharp. Um, and the run I mean, the game. way that he makes plays with his legs yeah. when you need to, like not just like I'm going to run all the time, but just here's a key moment. We need to pick up third and seven, and he runs and he picks it up. Yeah, he he was awesome. Um, and uh, and they ran for over 200 yards. Um, this was uh, more or less a perfect offensive performance for them when you just isolate on that second half. Yeah, I mean, you watch in the second half, like Arizona State's defense was playing really well. They were stopping things, like. They couldn't tackle anybody in the second half. It was just chunks of yards. First down runs, it's second and two. And you're like, how are you going to get a stop when it's like second and two and second and three all the time? But holy crap, ASU, the number of penalties was redonkulous. And like, I think Britton Covey got one of the first penalties for Utah because he flexed after some catch or something. Um, It didn't even matter. Utah scored like on the next play. But the penalties were devastating for ASU. Like the first touchdown drive for ASU had two holding penalties on it, and they overcame both of them. I think the second one had another holding penalty on it. They were winning in the first half despite the the horrible mistakes. But that just was it was too much to maintain. They couldn't keep that going. And Jaden Daniels, I thought, played really well, uh, adjusting his helmet the entire time. But the <laughs> but he. Guys just drop balls. Like he would hit dudes third and eight or whatever. Oh, there were at least like four or five out and out drops. Just drops. And too many, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. And I feel like Utah was too well a coach of a team that even though you were winning and you were dominating, you were making mistakes the entire time. You were not good enough to completely commit penalties all the time, drop balls, miss tackles. 
and expect Utah to not take advantage. And they just completely did. And way better adjustments at halftime from Utah. They came out and just played better. This is one of the things where Arizona State had the ball at the end of the first half. I think that's where they missed the field goal. Maybe it was the first drive of the second half. And they had this real opportunity where you have like a two-score lead and you got possessions end of half, beginning of the next half. And Utah gets the stops and then just scores, like score, score, score. And you're just like, oh, all right, well, it's a, a seven-point game now. Okay, it's tied. Oh, and you're like, I don't think Utah's going to be stopped. Yeah. And you thought Arizona State would, like, figure it out. and But they only had, like, three drives, real drives in the second half. Um, that final drive for Utah was so impressive. Clinical. Just 12 plays, 82 yards, 6 minutes and 58 seconds. So when they started that drive, it was a game because it was 28-21, 9 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, starting at their own 18. Like, ASU gets a stop. It doesn't need to call timeouts. It doesn't need to do anything. Like, they get a stop. They've got plenty of time. They might even need to, you know, think about how they're going to manage the next drive after that. Like, there's plenty of time. Um, and they let them drive for 7 minutes and then score a touchdown. Jeez, Just yeah. Brutal, brutal way to lose. Um, but that's that's the I mean, that that drive is probably one that like Kyle Whittingham says, yes, this is it. This is what we want to be all the time. Right. This is exactly it. And they were able to do it at the most critical moment. And I, like I mentioned, they would pick up big yards on first, second down. But then sometimes and I think uh, Antonio Pierce went after the defense and was like, this is just you're getting pushed around. You're being soft. That's what the they had said on the TV broadcast. And they came out, and I thought they made some good plays. They would get force a second and long, a third and long. And then Utah would come up with these crazy catches that were, like, completely contested, um, you know, good coverage by ASU. And Utah made the play. They made the offensive play. Where Arizona State, those critical third downs, they were dropping easy balls. Utah was making, when they, you know, when Arizona State finally was forcing thirds and longs, they got this, they would make a crazy contested catch. And... They just played an overall great half of football. Uh, and the weird thing is, in the second half of games for Arizona State, coming into this one, so ASU has been good in the second half, six games, they gave up a total of 26 points in the second half of all those games. They gave up 28 points to Utah. So this was, again, not what ASU, the, the doctor ordered for ASU. Utah's been good coming out of halftime, um, but man, ASU has just played really well in the second half of games. And this was you know, easily the worst half of football that they played all year. Yeah. So, absolutely. Bizarre. Uh, okay. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and preview uh, week eight. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right. Well, like an hour in. Yeah, that was a long time. There was a lot, well, we had breaking news That's with that, that Nick Rolovich stuff. Uh, all right. We got a preview. We actually have a good amount of games. One, two, three, four, six games this week because mm -hmm. we got some uh, out-of-conference games. Yep. A couple more buys. 
uh, our week game picks against the spread. Uh, let's start off at the top on our Friday slate. Washington Huskies. <laughs> They're going on the road. It's a tough place to play, David. Arizona Wildcats. Oh, my God. Uh, it's a Friday night game. That's important. Friday night. Friday night road games have not been kind to teams in the Pac-12, generally True. speaking. Like the better teams, usually. Yeah. yeah. Um, Friday night road games. And game. Washington and Arizona has been tough. Um 7.30 on ESPN2, Washington traveling to Arizona. Washington's 2-4. and four. I think that needs to be noted, too. Washington's not good. Wait, wait. They, they've they're, they've won two games? <laughs> two whole football games. They seem like they're supposed to be good. Yeah. Uh, and Arizona, 0-6. Oh uh, Washington, okay. <laughs> we we got to talk about this because Washington's an 18-point favorite. So I've got so many thoughts about this, right? Okay. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are Washington is not good. And their offense is bad. Arizona is horrible. And their offense is horrible. However, Will Plummer, I still think is probably better than Gunnar Cruz. Okay. Okay. Maybe play him over the whole game. You might get an offensive touchdown. Will Washington score 18 more points than that? Will they score 25 is what my question is here. So that you're talking four touchdowns for Washington. Right? I mean, uh, three and some weird stuff, yeah, but okay. but like three touchdowns. So, okay, Arizona will throw a pick six. <laughs> so you factor that in. Uh, they probably won't allow another special teams touchdown, but maybe. Maybe do it like halfway, so they get like three and a half points from that. Okay. So Washington at ten and a half points without their offense seeing the field. Will their offense score another two touchdowns? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's where I am. Is I don't know. Yeah. 18 points. <laughs> I want to take Washington. I really do because Arizona is that bad. I'm going to be a fish believer here. I'm going to go I'm going to go Arizona plus 18. Okay. Uh I like it cuz I basically have to pick opposite you anyway. But I I told you like fish really bothered me because they blew that cover two weeks ago when he called like the timeouts and then Oregon. Scored. And yet you took them against Colorado. And I took them against Colorado against my better judgment. And so here I am. Uh, give me Washington. Dylan Morris, I feel is going to bounce back. <laughs> a huge game. Well, that's the thing is like, okay, but if you're, if you're really doing it from like a matchup standpoint, Washington's run defense is bad. Now everything about Arizona is bad, but what's the better part of their offense? Yeah, they can run the ball a little bit. They can run the ball a little bit. <laughs> Okay, so maybe they could run the ball a lot against Washington and control the clock kind of the same way they did against Oregon and UCLA, right? They can run the ball, all right? And then the defense for Arizona, I think if you were able to just isolate it without um, even considering the offense, if you're just like saying like, okay, the defense has got to go out there and play a possession and see how they do. They're bad, but they're not awful. Like, they're just bad. So Debatable, but sure. And Washington's offense is terrible. I mean, the run game, though, is pretty good. Their offense is terrible. Okay. I watched Sean McGrew. No. No, I disagree. Okay. Um, and John Donovan's horrible. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Pac-12 Friday night games, the road teams don't do well. I'm taking Arizona. Yeah, All right. I'm just doing it. All right. Well, I'll go, I'll go Washington and then just feel terrible about, like, I'm like, oh, my God, I need this team to score 18. <laughs> <laughs> like they could shut them out and not cover like that's the problem uh okay oh but by the way washington fans uh if if 
if Jimmy Lake somehow finds a way to lose this, he cannot return to Seattle. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. No. No yeah. chance. This is tarmac all over it. All right. Uh, next up, the leader in the Pac-12 South, we have BYU. <laughs> you want to do a thing or? It's actually cougar on cougar combat here. Oh yeah, so we could do, yeah. BYU. Do you want the uh, the good cougar or the bad cougar? So they just fired their. Coach? I mean, they just lost to who did BYU just lose to? Uh, they should get the fake. Cougar. They lost to Baylor. Washington State gets the good okay, cougar here's, because here's they the fired BYU, their dumb coach. Here's the BYU one. Washington State cougar. BYU. <laughs> Hold on, don't do that again. Washington BYU <laughs> And then Washington State Cougars. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, 12.30 on FS1, BYU traveling to Washington State. BYU, owner of a two-game losing streak. Uh, They lost to Boise State by nine, and they lost to Baylor on the road by two touchdowns last week. Uh, Washington State uh, is getting right. Uh, They fired their dumb coach, and they've also won three straight. Beat Cal on the road, uh, then beat Oregon State, then beat Stanford. All kind of close games. Um, No idea. Absolutely no idea what to expect from Washington State after that. What's one. the spread? The spread is BYU minus three and a half. Yeah. Um, so BYU's a road favorite over Washington State. Yeah. Uh Wazoo has looked good the last few games. We don't know what to expect. I think they could be motivated to, you know, win one for Rolo. Um I think the defense is playing pretty well. Yeah. Give me Washington State. Plus gonna, three and a half. I'm gonna agree with you here, getting points at home. I feel like in a week or two, you might get the effects of not having all those coaches there, but it's sort of like this car was like careening down the hill and it's like, it's okay. You, you lost a wheel. You're still going to get down to the bottom. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, okay. yeah. I feel like it's going to get there. Um, now, Jaden Delora, he's really what's made this Washington offense, Washington state offense go. And I feel like Nick Rolovich is a big part of that. So I mean, you still have one of your co-offensive coordinators there, so you hope that can can keep going on. I feel like they're going to play inspired football, knowing full well they could come out and lay the biggest egg in the world. Oh, just, they could look like trash. Yeah, they we, could look like we look like idiots for picking them. They don't even look like they know how to play football. This looks like Stanford in half the game. It looks like Arizona State in the second half of the Utah game. It could look like that. BYU's banged up a little bit. They are on a two-game losing streak. They are undefeated in the Pac-12. I feel like they're going to get their first Pac-12 loss. Yep. Uh, Cougs. So go Cougs in this one <laughs> for both sides. Okay. Next up, we have Colorado Buffalo. Heading the Strawberry Canyon. Take it on. California Golden Bears. Jesus Christ. Uh, this <laughs> one's on at 1230 on the Pac-12 network. Uh, Colorado at 2-4, and four, traveling to 1-5 California. Cal is a nine-point favorite. Nine, I had nine and a half, but nine, okay. Nine points. Um, Colorado's offense is still really bad. Um, I think it's getting hidden by that Arizona game. But Cal's defense isn't good, and their offense isn't good. Um. <laughs> This is like the Game of Century Part 2. So the the one thing in this game that I think is actually halfway decent is Colorado's defense. They're actually pretty good. Yeah, and I think they look, again, it's like the same thing as the Arizona argument. Colorado's defense looks mediocre as it is, like statistically, but I think if you just isolated them, like I said, go play a possession, I think they'd be above average. 
Um, nothing about Cal is above average. Uh, their offensive uh, system is really bad. I, I don't think Colorado's going to score a ton. I really don't. Um, but I think Garbers is good for a pick, um, setting up Colorado with some good field position. Um, going to be a low scorer, I would imagine. Uh, give me the buffs. I think they lose, but I don't think it's by nine or more. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to back my boy, Chase Garbers. Jeez. Uh, Jeez, just, Louise. Because I don't know. I really don't know. Like, just last week, there was a bunch of coin flips. Where we were both like, uh, I don't know. Like, these are terrible teams. Um, Cal at home. Maybe that's a factor. Um, they've been okay against the spread, I believe. They covered last week against Oregon. This is a weird giving, you know, having this score nine points more than an opponent. But I'm going to stick with my convictions. I feel like 11 and 12 are really bad. We know 12 Arizona is way better, worse than Colorado. I still think there's a gap between Cal and Colorado. Um, don't look at that 34 points against Arizona and feel like they're good. I'm going to take the Bears at home and uh, see how that goes. I'm sure it's not going to go well, but I'll, I'll take the Bears. All right. This is uh, Cal lost to Nevada at home. You know, that was a long time ago. They have double amount of wins. They scored six points against Wazoo. Or they have half the wins that Colorado has, but still, they only beat Sac State by twelve. <laughs> well, I think Sac State beats Colorado on a neutral field. Maybe, maybe <laughs> at this point, yes, probably. Dude, I don't know. Like, what? what who knows? Who knows with this shit league? It's terrible. <laughs> like, these are awful teams. Like, you're trying to find like a, a some little bright spot at any of these scores. Like, well, like Chase Garbers looks like a decent quarterback sometimes, or, you know, <laughs> Colorado in a vacuum, like the defense is pretty good. Like what, what, what are you trying to find here? Agreed. I don't know. I just need to catch up. So I got to pick opposite. And if I don't know, I'd rather just pick the opposite of you. If I don't, if I feel strong, like I feel like Washington state's going to win that game, I'll pick it. But if I don't care, like, uh, I, I don't really know. All right. We didn't even mention this. Um, Game day is coming to the West Coast. Oh, yeah, baby. Crazy stuff. Uh, we got Oregon Ducks. Coming out to L.A. Taking on UCLA Bruins. What passes for a good matchup in this year's Pac-12? Uh, 1230 on ABC. This is the game of the week. I mean, it's going to be uh, Herbie, the whole crew. They're going to hang out on campus in Westwood and then travel over to the Rose Bowl for the game. Uh, number 10, Oregon, traveling to UCLA. Uh, UCLA. So this line opened, Oregon minus three. It is now UCLA minus two and a half. Whoa. That is a five and a half point swing and from one side to the other. Uh, yeah. This lines up a little bit closer with my estimation of the game. Um, if it had started, If it had just been Oregon minus three, I would have taken UCLA with absolutely no thought about it. At two and a half, I'm still going to take UCLA, um, but it's a little bit closer for me because I think this is going to be a close game. Um, I think it's actually two similarly flawed quarterbacks in a lot of ways. Um, both struggle with accuracy. Um, both a lot is dependent on their ability to read and, and make the right decision. Um, Dorian's gotten better at it. Anthony Brown has been iffy on it this year, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Um Oregon just hasn't been, I think, super impressive uh, at really anything this year. Um, and I think defensively, they've been nowhere close to what I was expecting them to be. Um, UCLA's uh, defense has been bad at times. Um, and 
I think they've started to find maybe a little bit of a, not a formula, but something to help mitigate those issues, which is not blitzing quite so much the last two games, which has been successful against two uh, very bad offenses. Oregon's quite a bit better than that. Um, I think these two teams should score a lot of points. Uh, UCLA should be able to run the ball and throw the ball against this Oregon defense. And Oregon should be able to run the ball and throw the ball against this UCLA defense. Um, I think it'll be a fun barn burner type and uh, hopefully go down to the last possession. But I will take UCLA to win. um, And thus, I will take them UCLA minus two and a half. Okay. Uh, I was going to pick UCLA. They did did me well last year, last week. Uh, But I'm feeling Oregon now in this one. You're feeling it. Hithliday, I'm going to get mad at you if your ducks don't come through in this one. When did Oregon play well? Big game atmosphere uh-huh. on the road. Yeah. That's the only game they no, played well. Mario Cristobal is an emotional, emotional guy. Yes. And he gets his teams emotionally up for games. This is college game day. It's a Rose Bowl. But Coming. if there's one guy in the league that I'm convinced that Chip Kelly can outcoach, it's Mario Cristobal. There's only one? Well, if there's like, there's several, but yeah, like, there's, a lot. there's definitely, definitely an advantage there over Cristobal. Um, I, I do know this. Mario Cristobal likes to recruit, mm-hmm. and he loves to recruit Southern California. He doesn't want to come here and lay an egg. No. If he lays an egg in Oregon, like nobody's watching, nobody cares. There's not like any recruits up there. He comes here. He comes to L.A. He wants to play well. Well, ducks lay eggs at home, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's going to not lay an egg at home. I mean, on the road. I think he's going to play well. And uh, I feel really good about this one. This is my five-star lock of the week. Give me the ducks plus two and a half. Do we have those? I don't think we have. Those. You know, you almost. I think you've convinced me almost. Really? Yeah, I think you have. For real? Well, the the Cristobal emotional element, which is like something that is real, like Chip he's Kelly's super emotional. Hithley right? like, gets mad about this, but it's the Jim Mora thing, where he gets them fired up for big game atmosphere. Yeah. And this is a big game atmosphere. Chip Kelly like downplays it. Right? Give me Oregon. Like, yeah, I'm. Oh, you're Oregon. switching. Yeah, I'm flipping. Wow. Okay. No, it's Oregon. Hold on. Let me write and this for in. that reason alone. Yeah, I can't believe I got you to switch. Well, because I think it's you gonna, know I'm terrible at this. I think it's going to be a shootout, <laughs> but I'll, I'll give the side to the emotional one. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know you were zero four last week, but I was one and four this <laughs> this past week, so I've not been good at this this year. I'm taking I'm taking Oregon. Okay. Uh, we're both going with the Ducks on this one, so congratulations to UCLA. Wait, who's our number one team? Utah. Okay, so we don't have to worry about them. Okay, I was making sure, because if, mm-hmm. if it was Oregon was the number one team, then we'd say no way to that one. All right, next up, we got USC Trojans. On the road, taking on, I'll let you do this one. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish. <laughs> Get me pot of gold. Very nice. Very um, nice. All right, this is on at 4.30 on NBC, USC traveling to number 13, Notre Dame. Notre Dame is only a touchdown favorite at home. Six and a half or is it seven now? I've got seven. Okay. Um, So Notre Dame's good. Uh, They're not great. Uh, They're not wonderful. They're not the best team in the land, Uh, but they're good. They're they're fine. Uh, USC is bad um, in many, many ways. Um, I don't really understand this line. Um. Notre Dame is. Uh, Let me give you. Some, I can give you some insight if you want. They're like a top fifteen defense. Yeah. USC's offense. Like, what gives you any indication they're gonna like uh, go out a top fifteen defense and come out ahead? I when this line posted, and I posted a story. The USC fans are like, "Are you 
It was six and a half. Or like, are you sure it's not 65? Did they get the decimal point Are you point sure it's wrong? not 16? So Notre Dame is five and one. Um, they were favored in the first three games. They were an underdog in their last three games. Now they won two of them. They got beat pretty badly by Cincinnati at home. Um, they just got a come from behind win, Virginia Tech on the road. They won three games by three points. So they lost one game in Cincinnati. They won three games by three points exactly. The other two games were deep into the fourth quarter. They were losing to Wisconsin in the fourth quarter and then blew them out, you know, and they ended up beating Purdue by like 13, but it was a, another close one. Like they've been in close games the entire time. Um, it definitely doesn't feel like a five and one team. That's why the line is where it is. I would, that's my yeah, guess. What I'm saying is I think it should be 10 points. Like I think it should be 10 to 14 points sure. for Notre Dame. The fact that it's seven, I mean, makes me a little bit concerned, but I'm going to take Notre Dame um, because almost any system will tell you that Notre Dame's at least 10 points better than USC at home this year. Yeah. And just from like a matchup standpoint, I don't love USC going against a good defense just with that offense. And that offense is the strength of USC. Notre Dame's offense is good enough that they're going to score a lot of points on USC's yeah. defense. They've had like three rotating quarterbacks. They've yeah. had four different left tackles start, two of them true freshmen. But they kind of figured out their offensive line, I think, a little bit against Virginia Tech. Um, but Notre Dame offensive line is supposed to be good. They're bad. It's like Washington bad. Yep. Um, you know, three different quarterbacks playing. There's a there, there's kind of they're kind of a mess. So you're taking Notre Dame, right? I'm taking Notre Dame. Though. Yeah. <laughs> five, <they're> five. <laughs> five and one, which they're not, you know. They're a three and three team. They're just way better than the three and three team they're playing. Right. I mean, obviously if they're in the Pac twelve, they'd be undefeated, but they look like they should be three and three. And I will take them to cover the the point spread against. I might USC. take them to blow them out. Like I might take them by forty. It could easily happen. Like yeah. USC is sort of like a. You they're know, listless right now. Like they're not a team that can take a punch. Like no. if you any kind of adversity, the only thing that would change my mind, and we'll find out late when I go to practice later today, uh, if Jackson Dart's cleared and he's playing, and they just start him, maybe, or like relief, like a late season in. Sam Darnold effect. Yeah. Um, but we'll see, but Corey Foreman got his first sack last week, you know, him and Drake Jackson on the outside, they could take advantage of those tackles maybe, but, uh, that, that's the only way you'd keep it close. All right. This is our, this is going to be bad for probably our number one team. Our number one team. The reward is they get to go on the road. Uh, number one team where I can find them. Utah Utes. Taking on Oregon State Beavers. This is 4.30 on the Pac-12 Network. Utah traveling to Oregon State. Both teams 4-2. and two, Both teams in strong contention in the Pac-12. And yet this one is on the Pac-12 Network. Makes no sense. Uh, Utah is a three-point favorite on the road. Um, that feels very right, which makes this a hard game to pick. Um, because I think Utah is has figured some things out. I think they are um, better than they looked at the beginning of the year. I think Oregon State's really good, though. Um, I just think there's some potentially elite qualities to Utah that Oregon State is maybe missing a little bit. Um, I need to see more out of Chance Nolan before I'm confident picking Oregon State um, in a competitive game like this again. Uh, so give me the Utes. Um, I'll take a minus three. Um, I think they're the better team right now, and I think they win the game. And, you know, it's rare that you win a game by one or two. Yeah, I feel like Utah's going to win this one, too. Um, Oregon State's been good at covering spreads. Um, you know, it's just this seems to be a mixed bag at home. I feel like Utah 
if this was after the USC game, I'd be like, no, just USC's bad. But they've they've shown proof of concept. Now. They've 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 it's been like okay, it's actually real. It wasn't just the USC effect that they you know that right. Uh, Cam Rising looked like a Heisman winner, and Oregon State's defense isn't good. It's not been that good, and I feel like I feel like the way Cam Rising is playing now, I don't think they're going to rely on those kind of contested catches like that. But I feel like Arizona State's defense is going to pl- play a lot better than what Oregon State's defense is going to be. Now this is going to be on the road, um, but I yeah I feel like Utah's kind of figured some things out. Now they are a number one team, and by rule they lose. They will lose. And you picked Utah. Like, everything says I should pick Oregon State. So, screw it. I'll pick Oregon State. There you go, baby. <laughs> um, go Beavs. Yeah. Come on. Come on, Oregon State. You could do this. It's our number one team. Like, they're going to lose. Absolutely. And there I'm getting go. three points. So, uh, yeah. we. I'm sorry, Utah fans. We cursed you by picking you guys number one. And that spells uh, that spells problems. Okay. Uh, That's all the slate of games. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and answer questions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, David, we got a voicemail from one of our favorite listeners. You want me to start with that? Sure. What's up, guys? This is Evan from Tempe. Uh, I'm watching this ASU team. And I'm just kind of thinking about it, and, uh, you know, I think Herm Edwards' production has been very similar to Todd Graham's. I, I see, on average, you know, I, I really haven't seen really any sort of jump or regression, in my opinion. I think it's just kind of been what it was with Graham when you, like, on average, like, I was kind of trying to say, like, the typical performance of the team. Um, and so I just kind of want to know, you know, like for me, like I thought Todd Graham sucks, so that's kind of alarming to think about that. But I know some people like David like Todd Graham, and so maybe they think that Herm is a good coach. You know, I don't really know. I basically just want to know, you know, do you think the ASU is really making progress as a program? Because to me, it's sort of like they've been the same program for many years in a row now. So uh, thank you, guys. Uh, no, I mean, they mortgaged their future for this season, so this season needs to be very good. Yes. Um, and, uh, I mean, I think that's still potential. I mean, I think they're still one of the better teams in the league. Um, I wouldn't, you know, completely throw it out just cause they lost a, you know, a tough road game at Utah. I mean, I think they still have a really good chance of winning the South. If you look at the future schedules for both teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at it, uh, Todd Graham had two clearly better seasons than even this one for Herm Edwards. Um, his 2013 and 2014 were truly very good, and I think 2013, you, you can make an argument, that's the best season for ASU since 96. Um, like that's Jake Plummer time. Yeah, I mean, that was a really, really good ASU team. Uh, that was like Taylor Kelly. I think that was Jalen Strong. Like That was a really, really good ASU team. Um, and this year, I think, is good. I think it's the best year for Herm Edwards. Um, but he's been 
he's been worse than Todd Graham was. I mean, Todd Graham's peak was way higher than what Herms has been so far. Um, and yeah, the, the, the trough, the low point was lower, but, um, uh, I, I think for ASU, it's, it's, it's been a kind of boomer bust program for a long time. You want the booms. Um, you don't want to just tread water at seven and five forever. Um, and Herm Edwards, um, you know, we'll see if this year can get there. Like if they can get to a 10 win season, but Todd Graham has a couple of those, um, you know, won the PAC 12 South. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think, uh, he's, uh. He's he's shown himself to be a cut above what Herm has produced so far as an ASU head coach. Yeah, and I, I mean, we panned the the Herm hire from the very beginning. He did better than I thought, but now this mess is, you know, this is going to come to a head at some point too. And like David said, you sort of mortgage your future for this season. This needs to be a great year because, I mean, in all likelihood, with the stuff, the allegations out there, I just don't see the staff coming back like it is, and so. Yeah, this is a this is a big year, and that was a tough loss, especially the way you looked in the first half. Um, but you know, you get like a ten and two type of season or something, nine and three. That's that's significantly better than what we've seen before. But you got to get those those peaks because we haven't seen one from Herm yet. Yeah, I think the first message is it's a text message. Yeah, I've got it. Uh, Oski smells like mothballs and stale urine. This is from Oregon man Nate Wood. Oh. Uh, I like it. I didn't know that. Then I've, I've been smelled. The more you know. Yeah. Uh, boom. Okay. All right. I'll 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 take this one too because that one was short. Okay. This is a baking tip from Kevin. Oh, good. Ryan, your dilemma with mixing small portion dry ingredients into the recipe can be solved easily. What you're shooting for is an even distribution of all ingredients, especially baking soda and baking powder, when called for. These non-flavor ingredients are rising agents and react to heat or liquids, and is where Dave's science comes into play. Never thought I'd put Dave's name in the same sentence as science. <laughs> Use a separate bowl for dry ingredients and start with just a cup of flour. Throw in the small portion ingredients and any other dry ingredients, then mix well. Drop this mixture into the wet ingredients and mix. Put the rest of the flour into the wet ingredient bowl and mix. This should distribute all ingredients evenly in the cookie batter, bread dough, etc. And now you're on your way to a new podcast. Baking with Ryan and Dave? I would like a baking podcast. I like baking a lot because I like sweets. So It could be you baking and then me tasting, and we just discuss it. Yeah, we could do that. Um, yeah, this essentially is you just want to kind of evenly distributed, which makes sense, but it's kind of it's like extra work. I got another bowl out to mix like the dry ingredients. So clearly stuff. you don't like baking. You just like eating I like baking. No, I like baking. But I do like following directions. Like cooking where it's like you're trying to do it by flavor. I don't think there's ever been a more insightful statement about you than what you just said. I like following directions. I do like following directions. I do. Yeah. Like when I, like it's funny, I like, I don't I don't think I like working out, but I do, I like when people telling me what to do as far as like, if I like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym for an hour, I'm not going to work very hard. If I go into a class and they're like, do this, do this, do this, I like, I respond well to that. Like, I kind of like following, you know, what we're supposed to be doing. Like, I right. like having a plan and just following it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But whatever. All right. Well, thanks Kevin for that one. Uh, he sounds like a good baker. We can make some, uh, some cookies or something together. Okay. Uh, Bruin boosting. This is from card sharp cook in Henderson, Nevada. Looking at our schedule going forward. I assume he's a card sharp U UCLA fan, right? Yes. And a card sharp. Who's also a cook. Uh, I would say, I assume that too, but a Bruin fan because he yeah, said looking he at say, our schedule and he does say go Bruins and he does say, um, Bruin boosting up at the top. Right. So yeah, just, I'm just kind of I think there's some there's some evidence that we can work with to right. come to certain deductions. It's subtle, yes, but we can get okay. 
looking at our schedule going forward, I see three and two most likely, including a likely 60% defeat of SC, all in lowercase. I both want to get a hungry young coach and win games now. What gets Kelly extended? Is there any world in which we just pay him $9 million to coach next year without an extension? How should our hopes rise and fall with each win? Does each win prove that the Kelly system is working, or is it all a mirage when he finally has five- and six-year players, and this should have been his surge year? I think two and three is a sure canning. Is four and one a sure extension? Three and two means eight and four. Does SC game matter at eight and four? Not sure what the root for, but on Saturdays, can't help but back Bruins. Thanks. Go Bruins. Card sharp cook in Nevada. I think it's still uncertain. I think a lot of it's still kind of up in the air. Um, I think first just results of the games. Look, the UCLA team we've seen this year is capable of winning all of these games. They're completely 100% capable of going 5-0. and And I won't say they're capable of losing each one because Colorado and Cal are that bad. But I mean, Cal, maybe. Uh, I don't think they're capable of losing to Colorado. Uh, but this team, I mean, they they can very Carl Durrell, They the can way. look really bad. Carl Durrell uh, coming home. Yeah. Okay. Or is it? Is it? At, no. It's yeah. It's coming home. Yeah. Coming it's home. In L.A. Coming home. Hmm. Mm. Um. But yeah, I think I think something between two and three and three and two is the most likely, and I think that is kind of the knife's edge. Um. I think at three and two, finishing eight and four, I think it's then uncertain. Like I think it then becomes a what was the dynamic? How does it look? What is, you know, what is the assessment of how things look going forward? Um, at two and three, seven and five, I think you can't look at that and say this was a clearly successful season um, because that'll mean that they weren't in contention in the Pac-12 South by the end. Um, at three and two, depends on how things shake out, but they could still be right there at the end. Um, so I think there's a lot of soft factors that change the dynamic between two and three and three and two, but at three and two, I think all bets are off. Um, it's hard to predict at that point whether he's going to be retained. How important is the Oregon game and the Huge. USC game? Well, yeah. it's, uh, the, the the Oregon game, I think, is pivotal for going 3-2. and two. If they don't win that one, then you're talking about they have to win one of or two of Utah and USC, probably. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be challenging. All right. Uh, get your thoughts. I think you're up next. All right. This looks long. <laughs> All right, this is from uh, Tor. Uh, Hello to my favorite podcasters who are not working on better shows. My subject line... Oh, it's Pac-12 Power 5 Powerball. My subject line is probably the wrong analogy for what follows, but while you boys can debate the institutional merits of top 100 universities through an alumni lens, I graduated from a for-profit college in 2008, and I'm lucky to be anywhere north of destitute. (laughs) So in line with my intellectual abilities and the feculent state of this conference's coaching, I've devised a shit-stupid exercise for you guys. If you would, please decide between keeping the current coach at each school or swapping them out for any other Power 5 coach whose team is at or near, in some cases, the same place in their own league's conference standing at this point in the season. All the choices are below, and don't bother dividing, uh, diving into the rubric because it sucks. You can choose one coach to replace the current coach, keep the current coach, or decide that more than one or all of the choices are better than the current helmsman. If none of this makes sense, then I blame it on my degree from the Academy of Expensive San Francisco Real Estate Holdings. Thank you, gentlemen. You're the Pac-12 of Pac-12 Podcast Tour. Tour, I love you. You're great. The Pac-12 of Pac-12 Podcast. Oh. All right. Uh, that's a, Oregon. That's a low blow. Oregon. Do you okay. trade or keep Cristobal for Dave Clawson from Wake Forest? I'm going to assume that's Mel Tucker. I think he means Mel Tucker, yeah. Who's Mel Foster? I don't know. I would have... Nobody. No. 
Uh, Mel Tucker, Lincoln Riley, or Kirby Smart? Oh, you take Lincoln Riley and you don't think twice about it. I think you would... For Lincoln Riley, Kirby Smart... Um, I think for Wake, yeah, they're undefeated right now, but that's Dave Clawson's been there forever, and they're fine. Uh, it's Lincoln Riley, but you, he said you could if you could take them all. Like, would you would you trade all of them? Oh, okay, I would trade Cristobal for Mel Tucker, Lincoln Riley, and Kirby Smart. Yeah, I think I would do the same. I would not trade him for Dave Clawson. I think that's just a different. Like Wake Forest is, uh, um, Winston Salem. I think somebody's going to make a bad choice with uh, uh, Dave Clawson this year. Um, Someone will hire him. Yeah, he's 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 not great. I mean, he's he's a career. I think uh, what's he done at Wake? He was three and nine, three and nine, seven and six, eight and five, seven and six, eight and five, four and five, and now he's six and zero. Oh. Yeah, but been a mediocrity. Um, forty six and forty five uh, so far there, and he's been there for a long time. Okay. Um. All right. Uh. Then the next one is Utah Trader keep the Revenant for. Pat Narduzzi, Jim Harbaugh, Mike Gundy, Nick Saban. So obviously, well, Saban, Saban, you take. Um, I don't know about anyone else. You could talk me into Harbaugh. Can't talk me into Narduzzi or Gundy. Yeah, I think with the problem with Harbaugh is it's like a short lived. Like you're going to replace a guy that's been there for 17 years or whatever with someone that's going to like burn out in four. Yeah, well, Saban's really old. True, but he's. The goat. So you you take the goat. Yeah, that's true. All right. Uh ASU. Trade or keep Herm for Dave Doran, uh NC State, Kirk Ferentz, Dave Aranda, Mark Stoops. All three. All four. <laughs> Probably. Kirk Ferentz is very old, but so's Herm. He's um, not older than Herm. There's no reason to hang not on, trade hang on, for hang on, any hang of on. these. Kirk Ferentz is sixty six years old. What's Herm? 87? Herm 67. <laughs> See? Um, good point. All right. Uh, yeah, I'd probably take all four. All uh, UCLA, trader keep chipper for Bronco Mendenhall, Matt Campbell, Ryan Day, Lane Kiffin. I would trade him for Matt Campbell, <laughs> Lane Kiffin. <laughs> Ryan Day. I might take Bronco, too. You you do all four? I don't know about Bronco. Like, was He's Virginia? Yeah. They're, like, they're okay. They're fine. I no, right, I, let's let's go Campbell Day and Kiffin. Yeah, I would say those three. Oregon State trader keep Jay Smith. It's Kiffin mostly because like he would recruit the hell out of LA, and, and it would be funny. It would be so and funny. Chip just refuses to like he's literally in the most fertile recruiting ground around. And he's like, yeah, I don't really want. Are it. you trying to make me angry? No. All right, uh, Oregon State trader keep Jonathan Smith for Dabo Swinney, Steve Sarkeesian, James Franklin, Brian Harson. I mean, these are like heavy hitters. Um, I wouldn't trade him for Sark. No, I would. Keep- I wouldn't trade him for Harson. Uh, I wouldn't trade him for Franklin. I think the only one I would think about is Swinney. I would definitely take Franklin um, and Dabo. Those are the two I would take. Yeah, I mean, you could take him into. You could talk me into Franklin. I mean, because he did win at Vanderbilt. I mean, yeah, like I don't know if we brought this up before, but like USC fans are like, oh, blah blah blah, James Franklin. Like Vanderbilt's been ranked three times. Yeah, in a hundred. Yeah, years. no, the Vandy. I, I, I always and he uh, did it twice. In I always three forget years. what he did at Vandy. Yeah, um, but that's the real like test case. And he took for over Oregon Penn State. State with like all these crazy sanction stuff and everything. So all I right, would, so Franklin and Swinney, not I Sark, like, not Harson. Yeah, I like Jonathan Smith a lot, but I think Franklin is elite, and so is obviously Dabo is. All right, Washington State trader keep Alex Jones for 
Mac Brown, Matt Wells, PJ Fleck, Jimbo Fisher, all of all the above. Anybody, yeah. Okay. Uh, Stanford, trader keep Captain Milk Toast for Jeff Collins from Georgia Tech, Gary Patterson, Jeff Brom, Josh Heupel. Josh Heupel, yeah. Um, I'd take them all. Yeah, I think I'd take them all. Yeah, I mean, I think that just needs to end. A triple option at Stanford would be funny. That would be great. Um, all right, USC, choose from <laughs> Jeff Fisher, <laughs> Justin Fuente, uh, Chris Kleeman, uh, Mike Loxley, and Ed Orgeron. Jesus, they, like, there's no good options there. I mean, I like, I still like Fuente, and I like Chris Kleeman. Yeah. Um, I don't know about Mike Loxley. Yeah, I would go those two. I'm yeah. okay. I mean, but Fuente's been sort of like. He was on a hot seat already. And obviously Jeff Fisher, but that's pie in the yeah, sky. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Washington, trade or keep Lake for Mike Norvell, Neil Brown, Pat Fitzgerald, Dan Mullen. Uh, trade all on. of the above? All not of not Norvell. Norvell's turned out to be really bad. But I'd take the other three. Still I think Pat's, Pat Fitzgerald would be awful. It would be an awful experience for um, Washington fans, but I still think you would take him. I mean, he's been I mean, he's won a lot of games at... A terrible place to win. But it's dreadful football. Dreadful. Do you know what color they wear? Purple. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect fit. It's true. Color wise. Oh, by the way, they did a I was watching Monday Night Football. They did a feature on Jeff Fisher because it was uh Buffalo at Tennessee, the the miracle and everything. They're interviewing him and his uh special teams coordinator and stuff. It's hey, pretty funny. He's always up to some seven or nine shit. Yeah, he was out fishing in his pond. I guess he still lives in Tennessee, so no, that's good. Uh this is Colorado. Trader keep Carl where the O Durrell for. Uh uh He didn't put an O in the Durrell. Where's the O Durrell? Uh Manny Diaz, Lance Leopold from KU, uh Paul Christ from Wisconsin, and Mike Leach. All of them. All of them. California, trade or keep corrosive nepotism for Scott Satterfield, Louisville, Brett Bielema, uh, Scott Frost, sorry, no more Big 12 options, Shane Beamer from South Carolina, all of the above. Yeah, I think, I mean, Frost is, I think they're three and five. But, but it's a it's a really good three and five. Like, they are playing competitive football again. Yeah, they're, they're looking better. Um, uh, yeah, I'll take them all. Arizona, oh. Trade or keep already long-suffering Jed Fish for... <laughs> Dino Babers, Greg Schiano, Tom Allen, or Sam Pittman? Okay, Sam Pittman for sure. Um, probably Tom Allen. Greg Schiano, baby. You think? Absolutely. Okay. He already won at Rutgers. Yeah. Uh, Maybe not Dino Babers. Probably not Babers. I, I, you want to give Fish a chance. Like, this is really his, you know, this is his first go at it, right? Yep, it's true. But, but I would take those other guys. For sure. So that's a lot of, we want the coaches in the league fired. <laughs> we like other people's coaches better. Uh, this is Eric. Uh, hey, Ryan and Dave. Uh, it's about Rolovich firing, by the way. A thought on the Rolovich firing at Washington State. I am vaccinated 100% support vaccine mandates. However, when I read people calling Rolovich selfish and stupid, I can't help feeling this is an oversimplification. Mm. To leave a $3 million a year job as football coach, it seems to me that Rolovich would have to actually believe the conspiracy theories about the vaccines being harmful, leaving a job that is hazardous, hazardous to one's health is a rational act, though, in this case, it is based on misinformation. Basically, I feel like the problem isn't that anti-vaxxers and other conspiracy theorists are stupid and or selfish, is that they have been convinced by the information sources that they trust to believe dangerous bullshit. Rolich should have absolutely been fired, both for safety of his players 
and colleagues, and because it is a terrible look for an institution of higher education to be represented by someone with anti-science beliefs. However, I worry that uh, denigrating and denigrating. Denig I'm sorry, denigrating and ridiculing people like Rolovich will just drive like-minded folks further into their bunkers. Anyway, just wondering what you guys thought, Eric. Um, it's driving people into the bunkers. We've seen the people responding on social media that are like defending him. So I, the people are already in their bunkers. Okay. Uh, no, I mean they're already in the bunkers. Um, yeah, I mean in an ideal world, would you want to just be sitting around calling people stupid all the time? No, but we're not in an ideal world. We're already through the looking glass. Uh, this stupid shit is happening because of years and years of alienation and all that kind of crap and. Um, you know, loss of any faith in authority, loss of any faith in leadership, loss of any faith in um, information sources, yada, yada, yada. It's been in some ways directed by um, certain uh, very crappy parts of our society. And in other ways, it's grown organically because, um, you know, our country has some very real problems. Uh, end result, though, is there's nothing you and I saying stuff is going to fix about it. So we call a spade a spade. What he's doing is very stupid. It's very dumb, it's very selfish, and it's very stupid. And yeah, is that going to maybe some, make some people harder about their decisions? Sure, but they're already hard about their decisions. Yeah, I do I do hate when we get... The, it's like making the divisions worse, and I just don't like that, where it's just like, this is the only way, and you're an idiot if you don't think so. Like, I don't like saying stuff like that. I think he's being an idiot, obviously. Like, I don't, you know, but I don't... I'd rather try not to encourage more of the division. I'd love more about the education side and just, hey, why? And if he came out and said why and you could debate why it was, but the fact, like you were saying, he's not even saying why, like he's not doing this. It's like, I'm going to walk away from a $3 million a year job. And I'm not even going to tell you why. I just, you told me to do this and I'm not going to. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, the problem is like you're, you're leading young well, men, you know? The, like, the thing is like, I, I don't think like ridiculing people is like, successful at anything but i think it's worthwhile um to discuss these things as they are rather than trying to pussyfoot around it like he is being an idiot like it is stupid um what he's doing is stupid and he's a most likely a very stupid person um but that's but Jeez. like that's just but that's, eric's not gonna like this no but it's just uh, at some point it's incumbent on everybody with any sort of platform to just describe things as they are um or at least as you believe them to be rather than um, you know, being nice about it. Like, oh, yeah, he may have, like, all the media people talking about, like, oh, I wish he would share his reasons. I don't care what his reasons are. They're probably very stupid. Like, it's probably something where, okay, if you platform his reasons, then that's actually going to convince some people because maybe that brand of stupid appeals to certain people. No, don't, he doesn't need to divulge his reasons. I'm sure they're very dumb. But if there was a dumb reason, if it was something like, uh, they used this to well. He clearly come up with shared. He clearly shared his dumb reason with June Jones, and June Jones was unsuccessful in convincing him otherwise. Right. I'm just saying for other people too. They may be like, "Well, you know, you just believe him." But if he said, "Oh, I thought that the the research showed this," and then there's like all the scientific proof. No, actually, here they didn't use this to create the vaccine. They didn't use that. Whatever it is. And this was different. That was something they did in the 60s. They don't do that anymore. Whatever yeah, but it this, is. But this happens constantly on social media. It's like, yes, there's people like me who are very inclined to just say what this thing is, which is that it's very stupid. But then there's also people who are like getting into the whole thing. Like, oh, you put all kinds of stuff in your body that are that you don't know what's in 
side of it. And none of those arguments work. Like, they don't work um, because this isn't a logical thing. It's an emotional thing. It's a um, tribal thing. It's a my side versus your side thing. It's a, you know, the whole thing. And uh, yeah, okay, maybe calling these things stupid stokes further division, but the division's there. Like, and it's, it's, these are firm lines at this point. Like, there's no breaking that down with, like, um, trying to, like, politely convince people of points. Like, that's not the way this works at this point. It's you people who do stupid things, they get punished for it. Like, and he's getting, and it's not like this is being handed down from, like, a cabal of people who are like, oh, you're being stupid, and now you're getting, it's organically happening. Because he did something that is actually self-destructive and selfish and stupid, yeah. and now he's getting punished for it. Um, when these when these odd theories hit the ground and this happens, maybe that more than anything else, the practical effects, the oh no, it's the consequences of my own actions. Maybe that's what actually convinces people to, I don't know, do a little bit harder thinking about stuff. Yeah. Well, thanks for the email, Eric. All right, this is from. From Phil, uh, coaching carousel thoughts. Hello, Ryan and David. It's Phil here again, and I have quite a few questions for you guys. Feel free to cut it short if you don't want to answer them all. Just got word on the termination of Rolovich and the four assistant coaches. Being a Wazoo fan and a current Washington State student, I am pretty upset about this and think it's extremely unfair, but I'm not here to get political, nor do I want to. Anyways, what do you think is next for the Cougs? Is this season chalked now that we're without a coach and our offensive play calling assistant? Should I expect a few recruits that we have to decommit and go elsewhere? Who do you think we should hire next? My friends here have mentioned Edo or Urban, but I think they are pretty unrealistic, nor do I think we have the money for those guys. I was personally thinking of Alex Grinch, if he's vaccinated, uh, Washington State's former defensive coordinator when we went on that 11-2 run, who's now the D coordinator at Oklahoma. Thoughts on this, and if you think there would be a better alternative? Um, you want to address that first? Or? Let's address that first. I would love Alex Grinch, I think, going with a defensive guy at Washington State, because I think we've seen that Washington State can produce some decent defenses with the right system in place. Um, I wouldn't hate that, especially, um, you know, uh, just try something different. Um, and they've already got like, I think, you know, a decent enough scheme in place on defense. So maybe you could just pump that up a little bit. Um, and barring that, uh, I think, you know, hit the well again and try to go with somebody with like a unique offensive system. I think they've got a decent enough formula for hiring there. Um, just, you know, didn't get lucky this time. Yeah. Um, I haven't dove, dove into some of the names. I don't think those are – Urban Meyer's not really touchable. <laughs> you can't really do that at this point. You just hired a, a crazy person. You don't want to hire another crazy person. Um, and both those guys are basically crazy people. So you, yep. you, I would think you would shy away from a little, little bit of the crazy. Dave's yeah. got some micro, uh, microphone issues going on. Um, yeah, but I think there's going to be some good candidates out there. I don't know if – Grinch will be, I mean, I, I think they can still get someone that has head coaching experience. I do like the fact that, you know, he did have success there and um, it's worked out, you know, getting a defensive minded your, guy, your boy, Graham Harrell. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to touch him. Like if you're a Washington state fan, you don't want to hire him. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I am always advocating it. I don't think Washington state needs to do it, but triple option, baby, triple option. Could, it's just could, there for you. It's yeah. there for you. You can do it. Washington state, Arizona, Whatever. Next time you're hiring a coach, triple option. Yeah. Um, Bruce Feldman, uh, usually on top of these things for the athletic. I'll give you a couple of names he mentioned uh, lately was Jay Novell from Nevada. Um, so they have a fun offense and stuff too. Um, Kalen DeBoer 
Fresno State. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not been there that long, but you know, he's a former Oregon assistant, uh, I believe. I believe it was. You know, he was a OC at Indiana. Um, the Air Force uh, head coach Trey Calhoun, Jim McElwain from Central Michigan. Ooh. I don't know about that. Um, maybe Joe Moorhead from Oregon. Maybe the OC there. I don't know about so that. Anyway, he, they mentioned a couple names, but they'll. This is all fresh, so uh, we'll probably get some more idea of out there. But I, I like the the department they have in place. I think Chun seems like it does a really good job. I think they'll make a smart hire, and you know, I'm not panning him for making this hire. Like it seemed like a smart hire at the time. You know? Yeah. No, I'm not going to knock it. Couldn't have known. Um, and then additionally, I think we can all agree that there needs to be some major coaching changes in the Pac-12 this offseason. I'd rather have a four-hour flight delay at LAX with a dead phone in my pocket than watch a Carl Durrell coach football team. <laughs> Troy Calhoun, Air Force head coach to CU Boulder. Joe Moorhead to Cal. Not sure, but I think Cal, Colorado, Washington, and maybe UCLA need to start searching. Uh, agreed. Also, in past podcasts, I've heard you guys sort of poo-pooing the idea of Del Rio to USC. Why? Don't you think that a defensive-minded Del Rio could finally do something about that USC defense and bring in some good recruits because of his deep NFL background? Couldn't he also bring in some much-needed passion back into the program, being a USC alum? Maybe I'm missing something, so just curious and want to hear your guys' thoughts. Sorry about the long email. I know there's a lot to unravel. Appreciate the work you guys do and look forward to hearing your takes. I do want to address this. Okay, hold on. Real quick with the Del Rio stuff. It's funny. So I think I was sitting across from somebody. I I can't tell when people are being ironic or not. Like, there are USC fans that are legit like, don't you think? Like, I I remember just, I'm like, no, dude, stop. Like, Like, who would hire? Like, here's the thing. Who would hire Jack Del Rio? Like Washington State's got an opening. Would they would they interview Jack Del Rio? No. Okay. Is USC better job than Washington State? Yes. Well, Washington State wouldn't interview him, but you want USC to. Why? The only reason is because he played football at USC. If like that's the reason you want to hire the guy, you cannot keep doing that. All of that is true. Yes. All of that is true. But I will say <laughs> so Jeff Fisher is the obvious joke one. Right. Like Jeff Fisher would be legitimately terrible. You could talk me into Del Rio actually being good there. Like I don't I don't think it would happen, but you could talk me into that because he's more of a high energy guy. He's more of a kook. Like Fisher's just kind of like a button down weirdo, like just you know, but not gonna be actually good. Yeah. Del Rio's kind of like a an outgoing, more of like a I could see that happening. For real. Like I uh, yeah. I think it's a horrible idea. But, I think like, it's awful. But if you were forced to, like, I, I could see it working. I could at some see that point, actually happening. Um, so I don't think you're like totally wrong, but it is an obvious joke because there's no <laughs> USC hiring uh, an alum for just that reason would be so USC from like the last like I don't know forty years. Yeah, that it's just they can't do it. And if they did, I think. Um, I, I don't even want to see your message. It would be, they would, would burn it down. Like yeah. they were like, that's all the mistake. That's the mistakes you've been making. It's, it's like, you can't hire urban Meyer would win national championships in college again, probably. But Washington state can't hire him. Cause he's a kook and you just got rid of a kook, you know, right. like USC is just only hired nepotistic hires forever. And so you couldn't do one. Um, but that's, that's the one thing you're like, well, Jack Rio, he would bring toughness. He would be, I'm like, okay, who else? Like, how many jobs have opened up in college football? Has anyone interviewed Jack Rio? No? USC will, though? It's like, okay, whatever. All right. Uh, thanks for that one, though. Great, great stuff. Keep, uh, keep writing in. This is from Bruin Mike. There was a bet. Uh-oh. This might not be good since I have not been to it. There was a bet between you two. I can't believe you two perfectionists. Uh, didn't perfectionists. Fo- <laughs> perfectionists. <laughs> didn't follow through. <laughs> Did we bet on something? Keep going. 
Uh, I think it was for a six pack. And I think it was about the US UCLA LSU game. So I guess David won. Podcast historian Hithaday can maybe weigh in if I got that wrong. No, you got that right. We've you actually mentioned it dead recently. Dead right. Dead right. We mentioned it recently. Uh-huh. We did mention it recently. Um, I mean, I provide a lot for David. So, like, yeah, but you can't I, complain I, built too this, much. I built this studio with my own two hands. <laughs> uh, other tidbit I heard the word gunnel. Wait, what are you? You were saying gunnel. Yeah. Okay. You were saying gunnel. It's yeah. Grant Gunnell. Uh, in an audiobook in reference to a part of a boat, and it was pronounced gunnel. So I'm guessing that's where our literary host, David Woods, picked up the pronunciation of Grant Gunnell's name. By the way, most sports journalists strive to master the pronunciation of players' names. It's truly an innovation to reject <laughs> the preferred pronunciation and angrily rail against it. So kudos to Dave for that. You can always count on me. <laughs> By the way, how much could Arizona use Grant Gunnell this year? Haven't heard anything about him. That was a weird transfer. I have not. You know, where did he go to like TCU or something? Yeah, or, it was some crap like that. Or Texas Tech? Yeah, or, who cares? Well, Bruin Mike cares. I don't care. I know you. Uh he's in Memphis. Memphis. Okay. Where he has thrown no passes this year. Uh related. I sent out an email bemoaning Jed Fish's decision to coach at Arizona and how it is aging him like the portrait of Dorian Gray. Dave pointed out wisely that no one else was giving him a chance to be a coach, so he had to. But now, after getting beaten down by the buffs, I have seen people really turn on him on Twitter, and I have to ask again, do you think he rejects re- rejects taking that job? I just Regrets. Don't s- what did I say? Rejects. Oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, my brain is completely fried. We're done this with this show. We're in like hour three. Yeah. Uh, do you think he rejects? Taking that job. <laughs> regrets. <laughs> I think he rejects it. I think he rejects it too. He regrets it. Yep. And both. And rejects it. I don't see any possible happy ending. That's a double on charge. Or promotion to a bigger school if he could somehow get it to six and six. Thoughts? Thanks, guys, Brew and Mike. Yeah. Might be a dead end for him. Might be sort of like uh when Dwayne Walker went and had was the head coach for New Mexico State. Um just complete dead end. I, I didn't think Arizona was going to be this bad. Um, I think it's been some unfortunate circumstances, but then also uh, you would have hoped to have seen a little bit more out of that program at this point, like just some more signs of life. And yeah, some of it's on quarterbacks, but also just yikes. They look so bad. They are actually worse than I thought. And I predicted them to go one and 11. So, well, so far, like who knows? We'll see yeah. what happens on Friday. Um, maybe they get a win. Maybe they get a win somewhere, somehow. I'm excited to listen to No Truck Stops and hear what the Bad Vibes Game of the Week is. Uh, I did. I listened. Um, it wasn't. What is it game? Washington at Arizona? Because that feels like bad vibes. It was. It wasn't the Utah game. It might have been Oregon UCLA. Ah, okay. I think. I think that's. Yeah. That feels too front end. Maybe. Like, I don't remember. Yeah. Um, they're doing like a basketball thing now. Yeah. Yeah. Skip that. <laughs> you guys you can figure it out. No one cares about hoops. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> Even All right. David. All like, right. Last, last, last email. Okay. Pac-12 All-Star Scenario. Champions. I've never... This is from Max. Uh, I've never written in before, but I must say, even though I've spent much of the last few years rolling my ever-so-large rock up an insurmountable hill... You two have always made this, quote, fun conference a bit more enjoyable. Presenting you both with a scenario, you must choose wisely. You have to construct a Pac-12 super team to take on Georgia. If you could pick one team's offense, offensive players plus staff, 
one team's defense, defensive players plus staff, one head coach, and played this game in one jam-packed, raucous Pac-12 stadium to take on the mighty Bulldogs. A, how would you construct your team? And B, what stadium and fans would you pick? Part two of this hypothetical, if Georgia spotted the Pac-12 all-star team 22 points and Georgia was forced to play on the road, what would be the final score? Keep it mediocre and fight on, Max. Thanks, Max. Um, thanks for writing in. Okay. What is... You want to start with the stadium? Do you want to do like Utah, Oregon, or... Oh, I was going to go Washington. It would be Washington, too. I don't know. Oregon, they're like closer. Yeah. Okay, let's go Watson. That's right. I mean, the must, though. You can must it up. Let's go Watson. Okay. Um, One team's offense. I think there's a lot of um pretty good but flawed offenses in the league. Uh, I think UCLA's has an argument here. Okay. Um, that running game. Um, because what we saw from Kentucky is you got to be kind of methodical against, uh, like, honestly, what you need is peak Stanford, but there is no peak Stanford in the league this year. No, you got to be kind of methodical against Georgia. Um, you got to be willing to just take small chunks of the yards and just move it down the field. Cause they're going to, they, they play essentially a bend, but don't break, but they're just very, very good. Like they'll tackle you after three yards on every single one. So you got to be methodical. Dorian Thompson Robinson is not that quarterback, but that offense is that offense. Like UCLA is content to kind of. Chunk it, chunk it, chunk it yeah. down the field. Oregon might be, maybe. No, the quarterback plays too terrible. The quarterback plays too terrible. That's the problem is that Anthony Brown and Dorian Thompson Robinson are not the right quarterbacks, but the systems are good systems for dealing with Georgia. Yeah. They got t- such a tough defensive line. You need a good offensive line. I Yeah, I don't. I think, I think you'd have to split up the offenses, like get parts from different. I, I don't know. I don't. I'm going UCLA. I'm going to say UCLA's offense. Okay. I mean, you could Statistic, talk me into Arizona statistic, State. Statistically, UCLA's is the best in the league this year. You could talk me into Arizona State, maybe, or... You could. No. I mean... The receivers drop balls constantly. If you took USC and you just threw it to Drake London every play... <laughs> See, that's the thing. Give <laughs> give Drake London to any of these. And then, like, who would be the quarterback? Like, you get, like, UCLA's offensive system and then quarterback. Like Jaden Daniels or no, something? No, it would have to be somebody who's, like, supremely accurate on short stuff. So I guess maybe that is Jaden Daniels. He is really accurate on the short stuff. Too. Yeah. All right, so put Jaden Daniels on UCLA and give him Drake London. Okay, we'll do that. And then it's UCLA's We're modifying system. your scenario, Max. Okay. And then defensively. I don't know. I mean, it's bad. Everyone's bad. Everyone's bad. <laughs> Utah? I mean... Maybe Arizona's no, – I don't know. Maybe ASU, but I think it's – Utah's a hair better, I think. Like Washington, we thought – Nobody's defense is good. Yeah. Who's, like, statistically the best? I think it's Utah. Yeah. Maybe go there. Yeah, I think it's Utah. What are you going to do, head coach? Your head coach? Are we going with our guns and going Jonathan Smith? I like it. <laughs> I like it. Um – Let's do Jonathan Smith, head coach. Yeah. Jonathan get- Smith, head coach at Autzen with UCLA's offensive system plus Drake London plus Jaden Daniels and the Utah defense. Okay. And Georgia spots them 22 points. They lose by two touchdowns. <laughs> fair. Right. I Fun. think that's fair. All right. Well, um, let's see. Where are we at? Oh, yeah. Two hours. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> this is what your Tuesday morning can like, yeah. 
all right. Well, thanks everyone for hanging there listening. Like literally brains became mush the last oh, yeah. 45 minutes or so. Yep. And it's early. Like there's still, there's a lot of day left. I'm very tired. Yeah. Um, the, the screen was looking. Do you ever look at the screen and you're just like, I can't even see it at this point. I like, was talking to you about this monitor and its resolution, and you just didn't care. You yeah. threw it right back in my face. Nice. Well, I just, this is eyes, because after staring at the screen for a long time, just start to go. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to another edition of the podcast of Champions. It's a little earlier this week, so thanks for all the questions. Please send in those reviews and uh, send us an email. Let, you, let us know. If you won, and we will send you that $100 gift card to Jockey. But for David, I am Ryan. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.